Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Say simply heaven. The number of the day is seven. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. We're at 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. Channel 4 is Brooke Grimsley. Matthew Rocchio is here. I'm Randy Carricker. And... The number of the day is seven. Seven in a row for your St. Louis Blues last night over the Anaheim Ducks, who are not great. And the Blues win it by a score of 3-1. to one. CD, good morning. How you doing? I'm well. How are you this morning? I'm doing fantastic. You know, if you're looking, if you were just not, if you knew nothing about hockey and you were to look at this blue schedule, you what the what what is <laughs> you see you see the green W's and then you see all the red L's and then you see all the green W's, you would be very confused if you knew nothing about nothing. If you just were waking up and looking at that, yeah, I, I mean, this Blues team has definitely been a lot of highs and lows. I think like the best way to describe it be a roller coaster of a season, but on. Honestly, I know, look, it's the Ducks, not a great team right now, but I was like, okay, I'm not expecting a lot because you're missing Tarasenko again. Tori Kruger's out as well. Tarasenko also with 13 points mm-hmm. and he's missing as well, but still we saw Baruby shifting things around, using his magic and Achari, I mean, scoring, what was it? Just 11 seconds into the game. 11 seconds into the game, and I think it was Lou Korak that tweeted out last night that really the Blues got their bang for their buck with him. Big time. Yes, $1.25 million for him, and he has been such a useful tool for the Blues this season, and it paid off last night as well, and that Justin Falk goal, oh my goodness. (laughs) That was amazing. That power play goal was just insane, and he also prevented a goal. I don't know if you guys saw that on the other end of the ice before that. All over the place. Just a great game for the Blues, and of course, Jordan Bennington. I like to call him Brickwall Bennington right now. Fantastic from him as well. Binner, eh? He's, he's been terrific for the Blues. As Brooke mentioned, Achari scoring 11 seconds into the game, but before the first period was out, Cam Fowler tied it up for Anaheim. But in the third period, with the game tied at one, it was Justin Falk that got it in with the help of Justin Thomas and Jordan Cairo. Blues recover it back to Falk straight away. Now to Butchnevich to Cairo. Cairo flips it to Thomas near circle. On the backhand to Cairo, one-timer. Comes to Thomas, far side, they shoot, they score! Falk! Power play goal, beats Gibson. Blues lead, 2-1, 4-13 to play, third period. 
Guys, one thing that happened last year for Robert Thomas, and we're going to talk to Robert coming up uh, at 845, and you can see it happening now with Jordan Cairo, is that they're playing fast. It's one thing to be a fast player and one thing to play fast and skate with the puck fast and deliver the puck with hard passes, hard, crisp uh, passes. And Cairo is doing that now. He and Thomas together setting up that goal to give the Blues the 2-1 lead. And it's great to see those two together on the power play. Oh, yeah. I mean, 100%. You can just tell their chemistry. I mean, as we know, they're best friends. We've seen the Blues promote that all the time. And their chemistry on the ice is so good. I mean, the way that they were able to, the way that Robert Thomas just really set that up, he was able to pass it over to Jordan Cairo, takes the shot, it's blocked, but then it somehow just ricochets back over to Robert Thomas. And Thomas finds Justin Falk wide open for that one-timer. I mean, it was just so perfectly set up. And Robert Thomas, too, just the way that he's able to see the game, it almost seems like he sees it like a video game. Like he can look two steps ahead as to what's going on. Yeah, it seems like uh, just the game is starting to slow down for them. It, it, it felt like, like I said, during that losing streak, everyone was trying to do too much. Everyone was pressing. Now people are doing what they do well. You're seeing Jordan Cairo with his athleticism and his skill set, how he's able to handle handle the puck and, and really get some good shots. Um, and Robert Thomas and O'Reilly are doing what they what we thought they would do when the season started. And, and guys are finding opportunities to score goals. Noel Achari is, is in front of the net more than, than, than I think most teams would have expected. Um, with opportunities to score. Scored twice last night. Had a couple more opportunities to put the puck in the net. Uh, just just came up short. But they are they are starting to come together and jail very well. Uh, and everyone seems to be doing their job the way that they're supposed to be doing it and not pressing. The Blues did have 11 giveaways. They were outshot 28-27. So for Coach Craig Berube, not exactly a perfect game. When you can show me a perfect game, then I'll, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but you know, when you play the first period the way we did and your puck battles are low, turnovers are high, that's not a good recipe. Turn it around, that, you know, puck puck play was better. Puck battles were better. Second and third, you have you get results. And, Kerry? Right. I, I've never been around a coach that has been around a perfect game. No, you never I, will I, be either. Never <laughs> in my, I mean, you could win 99 to nothing, and there are things in that film that they will pick out and say it's not great. It's the most amazing thing in the world. It's like, dude, we just we, we didn't give a point. We didn't we, we scored every goal. We scored every touchdown, and you're still upset that there. It is amazing. Coach that, Davis is oh, in play here. You're, I, <laughs> I understand. It's never great. And the best part is when the kids come in and think that they did such an outstanding job, and you show them the film, you're like, you 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 did terrible right here. You got to do better, it, because it keeps them engaged. And the same thing with professional athletes. You never play as well as you think you did. You never play as poorly as you think you did either, but uh, it's never, ever, ever going to be a perfect game. But at least they found a way to win. win. I mean, you're getting outshot. You're getting outplayed, especially in the first period they were outplayed. But either way, the difference here... And instead of that losing streak, is they're finding a way to win. And I thought this was just a crazy stat in itself. Seven straight wins for the Blues, which set an NHL record for most wins after a losing streak. I didn't even know that that was, you know, something possible (laughs) or that you could, a record that you could achieve in the NHL. I mean, that just shows that whatever they did, they flipped a switch and they're finding ways to win, even when they're not playing their best game. Let's hope that this, this, uh, doesn't go whenever they do lose mm-hmm. another game. Let's hope that that's just one and done and, and can get back into the winning streak. 
you know, the, the ups and downs, the roller coaster ride is at some point is going to make people nauseous. Come so, on, see, let's be positive here. They aren't going to lose another game. We're going there to the top. Go. Okay, keep going. Right. Keep going. Here is Chief on the seven in a row after the eight in a row. You know, that's the guys. Like, they dug in and started doing things the right way and, uh, you know, getting that team game going, you know, on the ice. That's the biggest thing for me. It really boils down to, again, you know, how you play the game and, um, uh, our puck battle's been extremely high in, all, in this run, um, even starting before that. Competitive, way more competitive, and it's just about your puck play. You know, not making careless plays with the puck. It's so important in this game. I get that you want to make plays, and there's plays to be made, but it's understanding the situation. It's understanding the, the pressure that's there. It, it's, it's, um, it's so important. I'll tell you what. He gives the credit to the players when they're winning, and he won't blame the players when they're losing. He won't call out individuals. I can't imagine that there would be a better person to play for in terms of his demeanor than Craig Berube if you're a pro athlete. No, I, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine. I mean, he's just a very stern and strong presence. That's why they call him the chief, right? He, he just has that presence. And you can even tell, yes, he was frustrated during that losing streak, but still... You could you could just tell that he believed in his group. He knew that they would be able to turn around, and he just wanted to be kind of steady for them. And I feel like the Blues really respect that. They respect his process with everything. They respect all the line changes that he does, yeah. the the process that he puts everything through, and it pays off. Yeah, everyone is is doing their job, and it starts at the top. It starts with with the head coach and making sure that you are doing uh, what you need to do and getting those guys motivated. He may not tell us uh, who's thinking it up, but he definitely yeah. is telling them. <laughs> and and I was talking about it last week when the moms were in watching that film had to be tough at some points, you know, because there are plays that you just miss and you don't perform well on. And and if you're a good coach, if you're a great coach, your job is to make sure that those guys know that that's not good enough. And and the funny part Randy is the, the the worst part about being in film is if the coach misses it sometimes your team hey coach rewind that for me what, 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 what are you doing there CD what's that and, and so now everybody is aware mm-hmm. and the coach may have missed it after watching 14 hours of film but now he sees it and now everyone sees it and, and now the coach can discuss it so they, they they it's about holding each other accountable and I think that's what they've all been doing at this point Blues right now in the first Western Conference playoff spot and only three points behind Colorado and Winnipeg in the division. The Blues at Buffalo tomorrow, pregame at 5, and then the faceoff at 6. Meanwhile, Monday Night Football, San Francisco trampled Arizona 38-10, to but that is not the story. It was a 31-10 game with 10:08 left. <laughs> I know where you're going here. I trailed Tim McKernan by a point in the 101 ESPN Fantasy League when Jimmy Garoppolo thought to himself, you know what? R.K. sitting there in St. Louis, and he needs George Kittle. There's a physical nature to this 49er team on both sides of the ball. Stands out. Here's Kittle. George Kittle. Touchdown, 49ers. A 32-yard catch and run by George Kittle, and that put Randy's team ahead against Tim McKernan, and I wound up beating him.
It, that, 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 that was it. That's what you needed. That's all I needed. I didn't care about the game. I didn't care about the Niners. I didn't care about the Cardinals. All well, I cared about was me. The game <laughs> The game was actually an interesting one. Uh, the 49ers are, are a team that seems to be getting healthy, seems to be getting uh, pieces in the, in the right place right now and, and in a timely uh, manner because they are, they are tied for the lead in the, in the NFC West right now with the Seattle Seahawks. It's going to be interesting to see how well they continue to play. The addition of Christian McCaffrey was probably one of the best things that they could have done. Even though they they have a you know a, a, a rotation of running backs that they don't they don't care who gets the ball, but he's different. Mm-hmm. He can do so much in the passing game as well as Debo Samuel run game pass game. You got George Kittle, you got Brandon Ayuk who is playing uh, amazing, and 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 now Jimmy Garoppolo is taking care of the football and winning games. It's going to be tough, and their defense is very very sound. So it's going to be tough to 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 see this team get put out of the playoffs once they make it in. And you think about guys that list of names, okay? McCaffrey, and let's throw Elijah Mitchell in there. Ayuk and Samuel at wideout, and uh, Juwan Williams is really good too. Kittle, they don't have a below average skill position player. No. Everybody that they have is pretty substantially above average. They we aren't talking about the the. Washington Commanders here. We're right. we're talking about a team where every let me put it this way. The St. Louis Rams before they left. Take any of these skill position players, any of them from the 2014-2015 Rams, they would be the best skill position no player on the team. And, and probably the best left tackle in the game yeah. as well. He's pretty, he's pretty darn good. <laughs> so, they they do a lot of things really well out there offensively. Yeah, I mean, just watching that game last night, too, because I feel like they've kind of hovered between kind of the contender, pretender, gray area for them. But all those pieces, as you mentioned, Christian McCaffrey, I feel like was a huge piece for them to go get. That's a difference maker right there. They have so many weapons. And you got to see that last night, right? Mm -hmm. You got to see how good they are, how well-rounded they are in all phases of the game. And, I mean, Jimmy G... Is he is he like the real deal right now? I mean, four touchdowns for him. Yep. I mean, his story seems to be really and interesting in itself. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, see, I I have a man crush on Jimmy G. You do? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's the man. I hate, how good, I hate how good looking he is. <laughs> the D coordinator for the 49ers, D'Amico Ryans, yeah. is going to be uh, in conversation for a lot of a lot of jobs this offseason. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of people calling them because they are playing extremely well on that defense, flying around. And like I said, they, they seem to have – you know, the complete team that you look for to make a playoff run. And right now, as I said, they're getting healthy. Kittle is back. Debo Samuel is back. They are healthy and they are dangerous, and I would not want to face them. Uh, World Cup, the World Cup report coming your way from uh, Matthew Rocchio here. But yesterday, USA, I mean, we, we go back because we're Americans. We go back to 28-3 in the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Atlanta over New England. That was That's our comp here for the <laughs> USA and Wales. 28-3 and they couldn't hang on. That's, you're going to compare it to 28 to 3? Well, it's, 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 it's one meal. It was, was that bad. You had a goal. <laughs> you had a lead. Wales isn't terrible, uh, but you, you should have won that game. There's just no doubt about it. Listen, Gareth Bale has been has been trying to get to a World Cup for his entire career. He's like 36 years old at this point, and he finally gets a goal, of course, it's against the United States. I knew it was going to happen like that because it, the United States is to world soccer as Mizzou and Illinois are to college football. That okay. is that is that is a, okay. 
Well, now it makes sense. We're seven and four. It makes sense it, on on a good it's year. On a good year, yeah. On yeah, a great year, right? Yeah, in 1994, <laughs> when it's like, oh my God, they beat the, they beat England. This is incredible. That's that's almost making it to the national championship from Mizzou. That's uh, that's the that's the okay, that's, so the that's an what interesting we, comparison. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So, uh, what do we need to do, USA, 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 to uh, right the ship, as it were, after yesterday's disastrous? Fall, oh, come from we, we we have to beat uh, Iran like Reagan's still in the White House. Okay, uh, I mean it's, it's well, they have to. I mean it's all comes down to goal differential now because what's going to happen is England's going to go probably three and zero, so they're going to be at the very mm-hmm. top of the group. Uh, Wales will probably now draw, win, and lose with a win over uh, Iran themselves and a loss against England. United States then needs to most likely fill out and now draw, win, and lose a win against Iran, a draw, uh, a loss against England, and so they need to mitigate the loss against England, mm-hmm. maybe just two to one, three to one, and then they need to just blow the doors off Iran okay. like six to nothing because goal differential is the first tiebreaker if them and Wales are tied in the standings. So no way they beat England. They're just no. Okay. No. Okay. I, I, I appreciate the, the the answer. Sometimes no is is all you need. You don't have just, to. I mean, yeah, yeah, listen, <laughs> here's, no. here's was, the thing. I, I, what, was, Mizzou, was Illinois going to beat Michigan? We had a chance, Randy. <laughs> I, I, they lost. I heard a great commentator talking. I heard a great commentator talking about this actually this morning when Argentina and Saudi Arabia played, and it, it was how the th- the reason why you can never count anybody out in soccer is because games that rely on the foot are always more unpredictable than games that rely on the hand. It's harder to know where the ball's going when you kick it as opposed mm-hmm. to throwing it. I never I never thought mm. of it that way before. But that's why you have games like Saudi Arabia. Because in their point was... And Saudi Arabia, Arabia if you haven't heard, they beat Argentina 2-1 today. Uh, maybe the, the biggest upset in World Cup history. Because they, they, their thought was, look, even the worst player, if they get a good kick on a ball... It, it can get past the best goaltender in the world if it does some weird thing and goes into the t- upper 90, whereas that doesn't happen in some other sports. And so there is an unpredictable factor that is always there in soccer. So, yeah, the United States can beat England if Saudi Arabia can beat Argentina. There you go. Okay. So uh, I'm, I'm looking Same here. We got a chance. Uh, he's, he's coughing. He's laughing. <laughs> so I'm, I'm thinking. I was wondering if anybody could hear Rocchio just like fade away. Coughing. He did kind of fade <laughs> off, didn't he? <laughs> Yesterday he was dropping stuff. The other day I thought he fell. Yeah. Uh, and now today he just kind of faded away. <laughs> just coughing into the abyss. <laughs> Coming up here on 101 ESPN on Black Friday, Mizzou has their annual border war against Arkansas. It's supposed to be a rivalry, but can you really manufacture a rivalry? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Bowl eligible with a victory over Arkansas on Friday afternoon at Faroe Field. The Tigers five and six, two and five in the conference. Arkansas after a great start, six and five in the uh, overall, and three and four in the conference. And when you move to a new conference, when you leave a place where you had hundred-year-old established rivalries, like when Mizzou lost to the Big Twelve. It's not going to be easy to have a rivalry. As a matter of fact, probably the best rivalry Mizzou could have had coming into the SEC was A&M, but they wound up in the other conference, and Arkansas wound up as Mizzou's rival. I have difficulty, Kerry and Brooke, looking at Arkansas 
as a rival. I know they're a border state. I know they're in the same conference. I know they play every year and they're supposed to be a rival. But I I don't have any built-up disdain for Arkansas. I'll tell you what. When Oklahoma and Texas come into the SEC, it'll be a whole lot easier for me to hate them than Arkansas. Really? Yeah. I, I don't... And Texas, that's the reason that Mizzou left the Big 12. Kansas is Mizzou's rival, and Mizzou doesn't play them anymore. But and it, it doesn't matter in what sport. I just don't see. And Texan 65780, especially Mizzou grads, do you feel like you have a rival in the SEC? Because I really, maybe Tennessee is their best rival. I don't know. I could, I could see that. So I, I was able to cover both sides of this. So my first job out of college was in Arkansas covering the Razorbacks. So I got to see their perspective of the battle line rivalry and then obviously came here and covered Mizzou and that version of the battle line rivalry. And it's funny because even in Arkansas, I did stories all the time of, is this an actual rivalry that people <laughs> care about? Mm-hmm. Because even Arkansas fans were kind of like, meh, this is, I mean, it's interesting, but it's not exactly, you know, a rivalry. Um, and then even on the Mizzou side, I was still continuing to do those same stories. I think it's interesting in the way of there's some similarities between the programs. Obviously, right now, there's a lot of similarities, too, because you have Barry Odom right. still at Arkansas. So that makes it a little bit more interesting going into this. And also, it's the final game of the regular season. So I think that's what makes it interesting as well, because you have two teams right now that need this win, especially for Mizzou to be bowl eligible. So I think... I don't know if it's necessarily a rivalry other than maybe it's just an interesting game depending on what's going on for the, both of the teams going on in their season. Well, I came into this thinking that it wasn't a rivalry because of Arkansas was clearly the better team. That was my, my thought process. But I'm looking at the overall record. They've met 13 times, and Arkansas has won four of those. And so Mizzou won five in a row from 16 to 20, and their first loss was last year. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it is a rivalry if you're a Mizzou fan because you've you've pretty much been beating up on this team. And it's hard to create a rivalry. Rivalries generally come, I mean, because of proximity, Mm -hmm. because both teams are are really good, or there is something that has taken place at some point where there is a disdain for for the other team. And and maybe Barry Odom being at Arkansas can can help fuel that fire a little bit, but I don't he's 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 I don't think that that's going to be enough for it to become a rivalry. And 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 also, I think it needs to be a little bit more time. I mean, 13 meetings is not really enough to say no. this is going to be a uh, this is a rivalry. Maybe it could potentially be maybe in 10 years. You know, if you go back and forth and it and both teams are actually playing for something, then you can say, OK, that game means something. And that is a team we have to beat at the end of the season couple of texts, this one from the 636. Mizzou grad here also went to Arkansas for two years as well. So, yeah, I care. So, from an individual standpoint, that person cares. <laughs> Plus, Odom is sense. there. And also, we have to think about the whole state. And he said, ask people in southwest Missouri if it's a rivalry. Heck, yeah, it's a rivalry because they were, they're right on the border, Matthew. Something interesting about the Mizzou thing is that most of the rivalry that has kind of developed among the fan bases is entirely rooted in which teams – haven't been as good as they should be, and they, but also throw out the Mizzou doesn't belong in the SEC. Mainly, Arkansas and Tennessee <laughs> are the two ones that Mizzou fans have have kind of gravitated towards mm-hmm. because there's a constant back and forth with the fan bases of Tennessee being like, well, you're not a real SEC team, and Mizzou fans being like, 
Yeah, but are you still a real SEC yeah, team? Yeah, right. Um, and and so there, it's it's a lot with the fan bases. It's a lot more adversarial with Tennessee, but there is something every year with the Arkansas one where Arkansas hates the fact that they get paired with Mizzou every year, and probably hates the fact that again they're four and nine in the rivalry. Well, and here too, I mean, going into this weekend for Mizzou, this is huge. They need this to be able to be bowl eligible as well. And I'm looking at this too. Arkansas has actually kind of struggled here recently. So you can kind of take advantage of that as well. They had a very weird loss to Liberty. Then you lost to LSU. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't a great game as well for either side. And so I'm looking at this as Mizzou might have a chance because especially if you looked at a lot of their recent games or losses, they've been one or two plays away from winning that game. Even with games that they had no business of being (laughs) close to winning. So I think that that's encouraging, at least for Mizzou. But when it comes to a rivalry standpoint, I'll never forget, I think some of the players also tried to work on um, kind of really building that tension. I don't know if you remember Eric Beisel, who is Mm -hmm. at Mizzou, Mm -hmm. and he started the Arkansas thing. (laughs) I feel like that kind of helped it a little bit, but then it's just kind of faded away in some ways. You need some players that will will stir things up a little bit. That's Brooke, that's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up next here on 101 ESPN, four downs from NFL Week 11 here on the Opening Drive. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Week 11 complete in the NFL with four downs getting us started. Here's Carrie Davis. First down. So, Randy, Brooke, Matt, the Dallas Cowboys may be a very good football team. I I, I have been fighting this for a while. I, I know they played the Minnesota Vikings, which, you know, depending on who you ask, they're a good team, maybe they're not. But the fact that they were able to go into Minnesota, win the game 40-3, to 88% passing uh, completion uh, for, for, for Dak Prescott, for the quarterbacks for, for the uh, Dallas Cowboys, the largest victory in, road victory in Dallas Cowboys history. This is a team that has lost two games prior to last week when they lost to the Packers. That was a terrible loss, so we're going to throw that one out of the window. The loss versus the Buccaneers, Dak was hurt. He got hurt in that game. He was unable to finish. Cooper Rush took over. The loss versus the Eagles, Cooper Rush played that entire game. Dak back in the fold, as I said, took a terrible loss last week, but back in the fold, they are finding ways to win football games and they are doing it the same way they were doing it when Cooper Rush is at quarterback. And that was the main concern or question that I had going into this when Dak came back. Would they run the same type of offense? Last week, I mean, sorry, Sunday night, they had 40 carries between Zeke, Tony Pollard, and a couple of other backs. They are doing the same thing that they needed to do to win those games, and they are finding ways to win. And, and a win like this, if I am Odell Beckham Jr., and I am looking for a home, and I am looking for a team that has the potential to go to the playoffs to make a run to the Super Bowl, same thing that he did this time last year, around this time when he decided to sign with the Rams, Dallas would probably be number one on my list. You look at their receiving core, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, eh, Michael Gallup is still seeming like he's not all the way back 100% from the injury. This would be a team that I would look at and say, I could go there and make an impact and help this team get to the playoffs make a playoff run, and potentially win a Super Bowl. In Dallas, there's a lot. I mean, there there's not much else you can do if you, if you win a Super Bowl in Dallas. CD, I don't disagree with anything you say, except for this. 
What makes them great is their defense and Micah Parsons. I did leave those guys out because they had seven sacks and they get after the quarterback, which allows when you are able to get after the quarterback with your front seven, it allows your guys on the back end to play man to man to be take be able to take chances, take risks. When you see Diggs doing what he's doing, that's because those guys up front are able to get after the quarterback and they are playing outstanding defense as well. Is number eleven the best defensive player in the league right now? Yes, I think he and is. It, yeah, yeah, he he is. <laughs> I, there's a Pittsburgh player in, in T.J. Watt that, that when good. he's in, he's pretty freaking outstanding. Yeah. He had a hell of an interception. I don't know how he caught that pass. But uh, Micah, because he's not been injured, he's been playing all year, yes. Brooke has second down. I have. This might be a little predictable, but look, look, I have a great reason for this. The Tennessee Titans. I, I, oh, want yeah, to, okay. I haven't talked about them enough to be fair. And here's the thing. I even threw out, before the show started, I threw out to Randy, look, I'll talk about anything else. He's like, you know what, Brooke? It's fine. You can talk about the Titans. They actually are doing really well right now. Here's the thing. Ryan Tannehill looked more like an actual NFL quarterback, not just a game manager that we have seen recently. Ryan Tannehill the other night completed 22 of 27 passes for 333 yards and two touchdowns. The Titans look really solid defensively. You have Jeffrey Simmons and also to the AFC South guys. I mean, the, the Titans are running I mean, need I say more? Need I say more? And then also Derek freaking Henry. I mean, just an absolute beast. He always has been. So my only my only qualm is, of course, I'm excited about a great game from Ryan Tannehill, but we all saw what happened last year in the playoffs. So I think the biggest question for Titans fans and anybody that's watching the Titans right now is, will this be the same Tannehill that we see in the playoffs for the Titans? I hope so. I don't want to see last year Tannehill playoffs Titans. I don't want to see that whatsoever. So I'm pretty high on the Titans right now. Things are good. This is a team, and Vrabel has a lot of Belichick DNA in him. They need to find the way to stop the other team's best player and not put the game into the hands of Ryan Tannehill. If you can play defense, we know you can run the ball with Henry, right? Just don't put the game into the hands of Tannehill like you did against the Bengals last year. Don't yeah. throw it to the other team, and yeah. you usually will have success. Yep. Third down. <clears throat> so last year when the NFL changed up their schedule, I went back and tried to find, because they they added they changed the schedule and they changed the playoff format. They added a, another wildcard team, so there could now be three wildcard teams, or there would be three wildcard teams. So last year I went back and I said, all right, one is, if this had been the format over the last 20 years, how many times would a full division had made the playoffs in one season? It would have happened one time since 2000. So I was like, okay, fine. This probably isn't going to be as common as I thought. In year two of the NFL's new playoff format, we have two divisions already who could potentially pull it off, and the entire division could go to the playoffs. They're both in the East. The more likely one, obviously, just when you think about quality of team, is the NFC East. But if you look at them, 9-1 Philadelphia, 7-3 Dallas Cowboys, and New York Giants, and now a 6-6 Washington Redskins. If you look at the rest of the entire NFC, only the 6-4, either 49ers or Seahawks, whatever way that eventually breaks, would stop it from happening right now. It's a little less likely in the AFC, obviously, because as Randy and, and, and I will happily point out because of their quarterbacks, 
Zach Wilson and Mac Jones, the Patriots and Jets are probably not going to finish the season around 10-7, and 7, which is probably what you need to do. But it looks like it could happen in the NFC East. Again, this would have happened one time between 2000 and 2022, and now in the second year ever, it's going to happen like this. This is one of the reasons why I love sports, because random things like this always happen. It's it, Again, it doesn't change the, the league. It doesn't make any real consequences, because divisions don't really matter in sports that much as much as they used to, but it's just fun to me that literally year two, bam, all four teams in the into the playoffs right off the bat. I love it. I just love, I love random sports things like that. That's a great random <laughs> sports thing. You're welcome. Fourth down. All right, guys, savor this. You're watching the greatest quarterback in the history of the National Football League right now, and the best clutch guy. We saw it again on Sunday night from Patrick Mahomes, who, oh by the way, has an NFL leading 12 fourth quarter drives for tu- for uh, the lead since he started as a starter in 2017. Patrick Mahomes' overall record as a starting quarterback is 58 and 15. His completion percentage is 66.1 percent. But there have been a lot of throwers. We've had Big Ben. We've had Drew Brees. We've had Peyton Manning. But this is the most mobile, great thrower that the league has ever seen. He has just incomprehensible field vision. And we saw it again on Sunday night against the Chargers. He just finds a way at the end, whether it's through the air or on the ground. Patrick Mahomes is unbelievable. And oh, by the way, a lot of people thought, What's going to happen with the Chiefs' offense without Tyreek Hill? Well, the other night, he didn't have Tyreek Hill. He didn't have Juju Smith-Schuster. He didn't have Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He didn't have Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And he still found a way to win the game. Doesn't matter who his receivers are, who his weapons are. We talked about how great the weapons on San Francisco are. He doesn't have any of his guys except for Travis Kelsey, who might be the best pass-catching tight end in the history of the league. (laughs) But he is a guy that legitimately elevates everybody around him, Patrick Mahomes is. I think I heard a stat that said he was 14-0 and in road games, uh, in, conf- in, division in division road games. That is amazing. To to dominate, the, the to win the division, you obviously have to win the divisional games and dominate those games. But to go into your opponent's divisional homes and not lose a game in your career, those those three teams have to be so frustrated trying to figure out how the hell are we gonna how the hell are we gonna make it to the playoffs and make a Super Bowl run as long as this man is in our division and as long as he's playing football you have no opportunity if you're the Broncos if you're the Raiders if you're the the Chargers just, just it doesn't matter how good your team is Patrick Mahomes he's still there well and here's the thing when you have Patrick Mahomes on your team it doesn't matter how good your team is either you have a chance to win now, you do it's better now because you have Andy Reid and you have Spags defense and you have Chris Jones but he's one of those guys Brett Favre was one of those guys Steve Young for a while was one of those guys where you go into a game and just because of the guy you have under center you have a chance to win He's just so much fun to watch, too. I mean, to see that level of talent and his playmaking ability, and as we were kind of waiting to see this season, as you mentioned, what would it be like without Tyreek Hill? Well, I think he's shown that he can really do whatever it takes. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is so good. It's just so much fun watching the Chiefs, and it's a goal of mine to be able to go to Kansas City and at least see one game just because of how electric the environment is, but just to watch that in person, it's so special. And that's one of the reasons I said savor it, because if you're still an NFL fan, and I get if you're not an NFL fan, I mean, we should all be angry at what the NFL did to our town, but if you still enjoy watching great athletic prowess, 
it's only three and a half hours down yeah. the road. And and as you said, he's one of the greatest, if not going down. That that's a that's a a big, big statement. statement. Yep. To go down as right now to be considered maybe one of the greatest to play the game or potentially will be, and you're able to see it in your lifetime and your lifespan. That is that is something amazing to see. Those are four downs on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. We have. Take it or leave it. Coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Get your texts in to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Guys, I mentioned earlier today that the Blues are only three points behind Colorado and Winnipeg and only five points behind Dallas for the lead in the NHL Central Division. Oh, how times have changed. Take it or leave it. The Blues win the Central. Take it. They're winning the Stanley Cup, too. Thank you. Yeah, and Rock. It has to get a tattoo when oh, they do. A face tat. A face no, tat. A blue no, note. No, no, no. We're not, we're not, we're not perpetuating <laughs> that lie of the bet. I, saw, is, I, I is, saw the mock-up. I thought yeah, we a, have the is, picture, right? It yeah. is just a tattoo. We're not making my mother. On air. We're not making my mother cry. On air. When I get this tattoo. It's, Would it be your first tattoo? It yes. my first and only tattoo. And that's a great place to put it is on your face. Face tat. Not going to be on my face. Face tat. Unlike Carrie Davis, I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have the kind of guts that Carrie Davis had. <laughs> Oh man! Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it for now, just because I'm riding high on this roller coaster. And here's the thing: is I even thought going into the season that the Central there was a lot of <laughs> they just I'm sorry they just showed me the face tat that it, oh wow that's a uh, yeah that right would look, right look great I, that that definitely <laughs> shocked me um, and totally in a good way, Rockio. I, I would get that, but yeah, I'm gonna take it. I mean, I feel like. Right now, and even going to the season, I thought the Central could be winnable for the Blues. So I, I'm riding high on this roller coaster. We're, we're taking this to the top. So yesterday, Randy, we were discussing color rush uniforms. And I mentioned that, you know, there are some very nice uniforms. I, I enjoy um, partaking in, in the color rush scheme and, and all of those things. But Thursday is coming up, which means Thanksgiving, which means it is a staple that the Cowboys play on Thanksgiving. Take it or leave it. That Cowboys star on the shoulder uniform is the best uniform in football. And I'm not a Cowboys fan. I actually hate the Cowboys. I've been giving the Cowboys a lot of love today. I am not a Cowboys fan, but that is the best uniform. I'm going to leave it. Now, let me start with this. The Cowboys silver and blue is the worst in football. The worst. (laughs) Okay. All right. I can agree with that. I do like the white helmet and the white star. I, I, I it's don't, a beautiful Most things about the Cowboys I despise. I don't despise that. But I still have to take what the Chargers showed us on Sunday night. Ah. It did It Chargers, did look really nice. I, I'm, I'm going to have to side with Randy on this one. Yeah, okay. Chargers yeah. powder blue is one of the most elite jerseys in all of sports. It does look all really good. Charter, yeah. And honestly, here's the thing. It's impressive that it's still on the top because the, like, the, the old LaDainian Tomlinson era Chargers mm-hmm. powder blues 
are even better yeah. than the ones they have now. The old ones are so much better. That is the pinnacle of sports jerseys, I in my opinion. I think it helped that they played their home games in the sunlight. Yeah, it, oh, that, that absolutely helps it, it yeah. did. <laughs> when, I think of that, I, the, the, when I think of that Chargers, I can so crystal clearly see LaDainian Tomlinson stiff-arming Oshimogo Otagwe just mm-hmm. out of his shoes in that beautiful, bright sun of the of Qualcomm Stadium. Yeah, O.J. Woodson very happy with that. but I can't imagine he would have been. <laughs> okay, take it or leave it. I hinted, I kind of hinted at this a little bit earlier when we were talking about Mizzou. Take it or leave it, Mizzou will be Arkansas. Now hear me out. Hear me out. Mizzou right now is a three-point underdog. As I mentioned earlier, Mizzou has been just one or you know two plays away from winning some of these games that they've lost. It's been really close. Arkansas had a really bad loss to Liberty, just a, a school they should have beaten, lost to LSU. I, I'm just feeling this right now. And Brady Cook actually looked really decent. Now, I know that it wasn't you know a big-name team or anything like that, but he was very efficient both passing and running. I'm going to take Mizzou winning this one. Brooke, I'm with you. I'm going to take it as well. I am going to – I mean, you know, with Mizzou coming off of their bye week last week, they were um, – they, they had a bye week last right. week, right? Yeah. They they they, they played the New, New Mexico, Mexico State. State yeah. yeah, okay. So they, the after week. their bye yeah. week last week, um, I, I think that Classic trap game. <laughs> classic <laughs> classic trap game. There's There's a chance avoid, that they are. avoid it, boys. <laughs> I'll take it. I, I You know, Mizzou the, at home, I, I would – I'll take it. I to become ball eligible. <laughs> I mean, especially off that bye week last week, they had a week to prepare. You know, they should be really, yep. really, really ready to go. Yeah, Friday afternoon tickets, <laughs> tickets available for that one. But you know what, Gary? You need to call the New Mexico yeah. State coaching staff and apologize for that, that statement, is a bye sir. We are in the middle so. of the season, those, those man. Those men are working hard, oh, preparing a game plan. They're recruiting. I it, think. Do, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. There's a bye week. The SEC has built-in bye weeks. There's smart scheduling, <laughs> New Mexico State in the second to last week of the season. There's dumb scheduling, Michigan in the second to last week of the season. Listen, in the Big Ten, we do things the right way. Once you start your conference schedule, you're all in. That's what we do in the Big Ten. There's no ducking or dodging in the Ten. We got to go straight through. Nine straight weeks. We week. go through it. Nine straight weeks of 13 to 10. No doubt. But then how do you become bowl eligible? You got to fight your way through. You got to climb through it. You don't go around it and get an extra win. Okay, hey, why did New Mexico come to? What was that? You come back to me here in two weeks when you guys have when, when Ohio State romps Michigan by twenty one. You only get one team in the top four. Hey, it is what Tell it me is. About that great schedule you we, we, we fight in the ten. How many times has there been two SEC teams in the top four in the college football playoff? Like that's because you all, That's because you get a bye week mid season. I mean, it helps. Smart scheduling, exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, what do we got on the text slide? Uh, take it or leave it. Tarasenko is signed to an extension in Ryan. O'Reilly is not completely opposite from the discussion yesterday, Leave Randy. It. Leave it. Yeah, uh, I I don't see a scenario in which that happens. I'm going to leave it too because I look i i would I would love a perfect world, and it is possible. It's not out of the question that maybe there is a way to keep Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly, but I do believe one Tarasenko does deserve a nice payday. There's no doubt about that. I don't know if the Blues will have enough cap space for that. If you're looking at this team right now, you would think it would be the opposite, wouldn't you? That 
O'Reilly would get the extension yes. and Tarasenko would be the one on the out. I mean, just based off of how they're playing right now, O'Reilly, the way he's playing, Tarasenko being sick uh, last couple of games, not 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 his fault, but, you know, the team is still humming and he's not my my goal. He was my pick to be uh, the lead, the team's lead goal scorer. He's not right now and, and they're still playing well. And while Vladdy is a great player, the Blues only have one guy on their roster that can shut down Nathan McKinnon. One guy, and that's number 90. And yes. Nathan McKinnon's not leaving the division for a while. Take it or leave it. The Blues' eight-game losing streak might have been the best thing that could have ever happened to this 2022-2023 team. Fortunately or unfortunately, yeah, we uh, we lost yeah. eight in a row. Yeah, so. I, I don't... I don't. I leave that. It's never a, a those are called growing thing. pains. Yeah, I can grow with losing too, Randy. I don't have to lose eight to to, to mature and grow. Man, leave. Yeah, I'm gonna leave it because <laughs> I'm gonna leave it because one, now you're having to dig yourself out of a hole in a lot of ways, um, and it could be something that could affect you later on. I think it's a great story, kind of like in 2019, you know, when they had the worst record in the NHL and then went on to win a Stanley Cup. It's a great story. I don't know if I necessarily would want fans to go through that again. I'm taking it because it was full-on panic bus. It was great. <laughs> and I, we were saying, oh, we got to tear this thing apart. If this happens over the course of the next 30 days, they've got to get rid of both O'Reilly and Tarasenko. And what sports is here for is to elicit emotion from us, and it did. So I'm going to take it. It was awesome. You like the chaos. Totally chaos. Randy is all for it. I, I, I've learned this working with him. He is all for chaos. He, when yep. things go haywire, sign him up. He's good for it. You know what you can't make jokes about? Normalcy. <laughs> it's true. It's this much harder. Give, give Randy chaos and he can rip off a great joke. Trust me, I've been around him. Uh, take it or leave it. Ryan Tannehill is the reason the Titans get eliminated from the playoffs in the first game and they find a new franchise quarterback. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my God. That was, franchise that was quarterback. personal. Yeah. Who said that? That was so personal. <laughs> just talking about a football oh team. Oh, my Brooke. God. I don't know what you're talking about. Just talking about a football I, I, team. I'm just going to leave here. it just because that, that just like cut deep into my soul, <laughs> past my heart into my soul. I, I'm going to leave it because I hope not. I hope not. Uh, do you like Malik Willis, though? I do like Malik Willis. I think, he's got a I, I think he has good. a lot of potential. Yeah, well. So does, so does Kenny Pickett. So does Zach Wilson. Okay. One more. All right. Sorry. I, I, I'm not oh, trying wait, to. Wait, okay. no. Carrie, no, are you going to take the, it got, or leave it? I, I, Carrie's I, over here thinking about it. I want to I get his opinion on this. I, I think, I'm gonna, I, I'll leave it. I, I'll leave it. I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. Uh, Randy, we just got one more text here. It's not really take it or leave it, but I thought it needed to be uh, read. Uh, 314 says, I just woke up and I need to know the number of the day. Oh. The number of the day. I say simply heaven. The number of the day is seven. Blues have won seven in a row. Good morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Welcome to the show. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanks for your text. We do appreciate it. Coming up. Cody Bellinger was DFA'd by the Dodgers last week. Should the Cardinals take a look? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. As the Cardinals were shut out in Game 2 of the Wild Card Round by Philadelphia, their lineup was Lars Newtbar, Albert Pujols, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Brendan Donovan, Juan Yepes, 
Corey Dickerson, Yadier Molina, and uh, Tommy Edmond. Dylan Carlson came on later in the game as a pinch runner. Earlier this week, well, actually late last week, the Los Angeles Dodgers decided to not tender their former Rookie of the Year and MVP Cody Bellinger. And Bellinger is going to turn, well, he in, in next July, he'll, he'll turn 28. And a lot of people have wondered over the course of the last few days whether or not the Cardinals should pursue him. With Dickerson being a free agent, the Cardinals needing a left-handed bat, them not knowing what Jordan Walker is going to be able to deliver, them not thinking, now Lars Newbar might be able to turn out to be a really good player, but they didn't think until last year that he was going to be a really good player. Hopefully he is. Should the Cardinals take a chance on a one-year deal, which is what Scott Boris wants for Cody Bellinger? If I'm the Cardinals, if I'm Mo, if I'm Gersh, if I'm Ali Marmol, I'm all in on this. And it's not just because of Cody Bellinger's history, in which he won Rookie of the Year with 39 homers, 97 RBIs, and 933 OPS in his rookie year. Followed that up with 25 homers, 76 RBIs, and an 814 OPS. Those two years were spent under the tutelage of Turner Ward, the new Cardinal hitting coach, as his hitting instructor. Then in 2019, when he won the MVP, Bellinger hit... 47 home runs, 115 ribs, and a 1.035 OPS. Obviously, like everybody else, his numbers declined in the COVID season. He injured a shoulder in a celebration at home plate in the 2020 World Series. And he, he had to rehab that shoulder during 2021 and 2022. Apparently, it's back to normal now. I want to know from you guys, though. I, I'm all in on the Cardinals going after the left-handed hitting Cody Bellinger. Brooke, what do you think? My first question is, what does that mean for Dylan Carlson? If Bellinger plays center, Carlson can play a corner. I have no problem with that. If And Bellinger is a, he's won a gold glove in center field. So I would have no problem with Dylan Carlson moving to a corner. And Dylan Carlson, by the way, can play right. If, if I start my season with next year with a healthy uh, Tyler O'Neill in left and Bellinger in center and Dylan Carlson in right, those are three guys that can play center field. And I love it. I think it's great. And then if I need to have Newt Barr, DH, I think I can find a better hitter than Juan Yepes. And Bellinger might be that guy. Do you think also, too, okay, say that you do go get Bellinger, mm-hmm. is that you wouldn't consider that your main left-handed bat that you were hoping the Cardinals would get this offseason, right? It would just be one of them. You would hope that they would go out and get more? Well, You've got Carlson, who's going to be a lefty hitter. You're going to have Donovan in the lineup, who's a really good lefty hitter. And then if you want to put Gorman as a DH and hope that he grows up, the Cardinals are convinced that Gorman's going to be a 30-home run guy. Those are three pretty solid left-handed hitters. But would it break my heart if Cody Bellinger was the Cardinals' number three hitter between Goldie and Arenado on opening day? Heck no. I think if you have a healthy uh, Cody Bellinger, yes. Uh, the one-year deal, the one-year flyer on a guy, I don't think that that's a terrible idea. Um, if you were talking a, a multi-year deal or, or multi-years and, and more money, I would definitely say no, mm-hmm. just because he's essentially, I mean, he's a he's an upgraded version from Tyler O'Neal, but, but if you're looking at their numbers, it's essentially what you project Tyler O'Neal to be when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. So there's not a need to go get someone for, for multiple years that you think Tyler O'Neill can be when he's healthy. But and if you, to, to your point, CD, sorry to break, no, no, break in, but the 162 game averages 
for Cody Bellinger. 33 homers, 92 RBIs, 819 OPS. So right. you're uh, you're right completely on. on. Right on. So I, I would I would say if it's a one year deal. I think that definitely makes your your lineup better for for next season. And I I have been on this. I felt like this last season when you have MVP candidates and an MVP winner in in Goldie and and, and Arenado, you have to have people around them because those years don't last forever when guys are playing at their top level. So if you can go out and get a guy on a flyer, a one-year deal, a guy that is a former MVP, a rookie of the year, a two-time All-Star, a guy that you know when healthy can be all of that. Same thing we say with Tyler O'Neill, And put those two guys in your outfield healthy and then bring up a phenom who everyone is saying Jordan Walker is that guy. He is not just a, 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 a star. He is a superstar in the waiting. You got three guys in the outfield that you know when they come up in the lineup, those two guys who are on the corner mm-hmm. infield spots, it's going to be mayhem for the pitchers that have to face them you know, every inning. So I'm all for it if, if Cody Bellinger is healthy. If Tyler O'Neill is healthy, you're looking at a team that with those guys in the fold could be a very, very good lineup, a very good team. Well, and so I, I guess my pro would be, as you mentioned there, Jordan Walker. I mean, I think he's one year away. You give him enough time to fully develop so you have him ready to go for 2024. So say you do bring in Bellager, then you have that kind of insurance Mm -hmm. that waiting for Jordan Walker until he's fully ready, ready for 2024. Now, I guess my con is... Of course, everybody. We we all saw what happened there at the end. You worry about the offensive struggles. And I know that Scott Boris, of course, did that article with Ken Rosenthal. And he said, look, it's just, you know, a shoulder issue and it's building back up the strength. But still, I think that every Cardinals fan seeing that is like, ah, proceed with caution with that. We I think everybody knows defensively how great Cody Bellinger is. He's a great base runner. But I think... I like CD said, is he going to be fully healthy? Is he going to be able to help this team offensively? Because I feel like that's the number one thing that people want to address this offseason with the Cardinals. But I I don't think that you're taking any more of a gamble by trying to bring in Bellinger for a year. I think it'd be a greater gamble to try to sign Brandon Nimmo for five years and 100. I think it'd be a greater gamble after a year of not playing to try to sign Michael Conforto. I think of of the left-handed hitters on the free agent market, this is the guy that I think fits the Cardinal profile the most. This is kind of like signing Carlos Beltran or or Lance Berkman when they signed those guys who'd been down and came back and revived their careers in St. Louis. And you saw how great they were in a Cardinal uniform. Those two guys were outstanding. And if you get those guys, and and Brooke, I I feel like, to your point with with, uh, Walker waiting one more year, I feel like if if you were to be able to get Bellinger, a a guy that you know has done all of the things he's done and he's working on getting healthy, if Tyler O'Neill is healthy. It's a lot of ifs. There are a lot of ifs in this in these <laughs> statements. But that's what I mean, that's what sports are. If, if if guys are healthy, if guys are doing what we think they should do, if you get a guy like Jordan Walker to come in, there's not as much pressure on him to be that standout guy with, with the way that Arenado plays, with the way that Goldie plays. And then you got two MVP candidates in the in the outfield as well. It's not as much pressure on him to be great right away. So he can kind of learn his way in and, and earn his way into being, you know, moving up in the lineup. He doesn't have to be, you know, a three or four or a five hitter right now. He can he can be a six, seven and, and really have time to mature and grow. And I, I feel that it would be best to get him in as soon as possible, especially with those guys still in the fold. Yep. That's Kerry. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. And that is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Next up, we'll talk some blues with Panger. And at the end of the interview, we'll say, 
Thank you very much, Panger. <laughs> this is next time, 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Grimsley is here. Kerry Davis is here. I'm Randy Carricker. And joining us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line is our friend, blues analyst from Valley Sports Midwest, Darren Pang. Panger, good morning. How are you doing? Oh, we're waiting. We're waiting for Panger. Panger is doing these great interviews. And you guys see it all the time, how coach interviews during games, whether it's football or basketball or hockey, they're generally pretty meaningless and they don't give you an awful lot. I think Craig Berube with Panger is great during the games. It is because they are both, well, more so Berube is opening up. And and because when you have those moments in game, coaches just want to get their two questions answered and get out of there and get back to the game. And Berube seems to be very open and very willing to have those conversations with Panger, which makes it more fun. Yeah, that's the key. It's to have fun. All right, Darren Pang with us now on uh, 101 ESPN. Panger, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, uh, Randy and Carrie. And I understand Brooke is going to be with us as well. She is here. Hi, Panger. Hello, Brooke. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing great. It's great hearing from you. Yeah, we've been negligent here over the last several weeks. How's Bruce doing? Bruce is doing good. Brucey, how are you doing this morning, puppy? You doing good? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, good. Good, good yeah. to hear. We were just talking about how the interviews, and, and you do these all around the league with your TNT duties, but Craig Berube's terrific for, with your in-game interviews. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I love the way he... Uh... I love the way he ends them all the time. Um, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, and, he, and he's such, you know, like I, I, I don't really realize, and I, maybe that's how I got to the NHL, but I didn't really realize how small I was until I saw myself beside other people. <laughs> and, and he's a big man, and he's just looking right down on me like, like he could eat an apple off my head. So, um, really, um, but it is, you know what, in, and in all seriousness, I it, tell you what, it's, it's great having a coach that understands our job, and and he's you know what he's like being down there. I mean, you could ask him questions. He he listens and he'll an, answer those questions. And and they you know they're asked to do interviews in the morning and address the media. They're they're asked to do them after the game. Uh, and then here I am. You know, I know it's just one question, but during the game when he probably could spend that time with the players. So great, we greatly appreciate it. And he's a great man. Pinger, I think you're the only person that can make Baruby smile during an in-game <laughs> interview. <laughs> I think that you're the only person going to do that. Well, I was going to ask you, obviously, last night, a big game for Noel Achari, but not just that game. He has been a very big piece for the Blues, a great addition, and it seems like really a steal. I mean, the Blues were able to get him for $1.25 million, and he has really done so much for the team. What have you seen from Achari this season and what he's brought to the Blues? I think he's a. I think he's a dog without a bone. He's like Brucey trying to chase down my Titleist uh, Pro V golf balls. That guy. I mean, you know, you throw it into the corner and he's going to go get it. And and that's what I love about his tenacity. Um, I I didn't realize when he was in Boston that he was such a good forechecker. You know, um, being a you know like they had Sean Corrali, uh, himself 
and and uh, you know one being a right hand shot and Crowley being a left hand shot. Um, you know they kind of switched off on a lot of faceoffs, but I just didn't realize how good he was on the wing. Uh, to be quite honest with you, and, and uh, for the Blues to identify that kind of player and to get him at such a great price was uh, was I mean you're right, Brooke. It's a steal, and so versatility. I guess here's all the things that I love about him. I mean the versatility, the forecheck. Um, if you've seen him in the locker room, you know he's he's he doesn't have the longest legs, but he's they're, he's powerful and big down there, you know, and uh, and he's got kind of a a longer upper body, and he reaches in and gets pucks and has great balance. Uh, and I, you know, I'm so anyway, I, I he, he's a quiet person that plays a kind of a loud game, and and that's what I've really liked about him. He's a he just looks like a typical St. Louis Blue. So hopefully Army can get him extended for a couple more years, so we don't lose the guy. Hey, Panger, uh, uh, Bennington has been playing extremely well. The one goal that went out, went in last night looked like it went off of Nick Letty's uh, leg. How frustrating is that as a goaltender when you are playing your butt off, but pucks seem to just find their way in, either off defenseman or off of tip, uh, tip sticks? Yeah, well, you know, Kerry, it just it happens. I mean, in that game last night, probably not as frustrating as what he felt early on in the year where every time he turned around, a puck was not even going on the net. You know, it's wide by two, three feet. And then it glances off, you know, your own defenseman skate or a stick or a shin pad. Then that's really frustrating. But you know, the number one thing is those players are going to—they're going to go to bat hard for you. They're going to battle for you. And the last thing you want to do is, is is show any demonstrative look to embarrass them. You know, they're trying to, and it was just a bad bad luck situation. But um, I think for, you know, I think for Jordan too, he's in such a zone right now that. I don't think anything's bothering him, and that's that's really a great sign. Like that one went in the net, he's probably saying to himself, "Well, I'll stop the next fifteen or twenty, and we'll win this hockey game." So, his confidence is shining brightly right now. Penger, as we watch Justin Falcon, obviously has a great shot and got the great goal last night. But when you, as a hockey guy, analyze Justin Falk's games, are there? any faults. I I look at him and he's not spectacular. He's not Eric Carlson in his prime. He's not Paul Coffey. But both ends of the ice, I don't see the guy making mistakes. Did you say, are there any faults in this game? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can, you, can you find any, any faults in Falk's game? <laughs> <laughs> no, none. I, in fact, I was having a conversation with one of the uh, Professional Writers Association uh, fellas. He's based out of Winnipeg. And I kind of I pulled him aside and, and I said I'm just I'm just going through all the voting last year, and uh, he's like yeah and I go like not one guy voted for Justin Falk even like maybe not number one I, I get that he wouldn't get a number one vote because there's there's so many you know I mean Kale McCarr and and you've got Roman Yossi but those guys are garnering the number one votes number two votes I'm, I'm like I'm just surprised he didn't get you know a couple of number I don't know. So, five votes or like something and and he goes I'll take a look at that and I'm like I just wonder you know if they're, if they're really paying attention to some of the guys that are just playing a great overall game and last year what was it plus was he plus 40 last year or something yep. like that yeah. I mean it was an amazing number and you know in, in on a team that was you know not not always the most consistent team and he was uh he, you know he was the best defenseman yeah, I think he was the best player overall and so um, yeah, so he doesn't do very much wrong. I'd love to play behind him. I mean, he's just again, he's another guy that doesn't say a whole lot. He just he just plays hard, and uh, there's no bravado in his game. 
Um, it's not, hey, look at me. I'm number 72. It's, hey, let's go out there and win a game and let's do it. Even when he, even when he was a second star last night, I watch him because I'm on the bench. I watch him kind of go out there, and it's almost like he's like, yeah, let's just get back in the room and have a cold one with the boys and <laughs> let's go, you know? <laughs> but, he, I mean, he shoots the puck hard. His, his outlet passes are strong and on the tape. He's intelligent where he reads you know, all the routes uh, that you've got to make that first pass out of your zone. Um, you know, rarely do you see him fire the puck and it's an icing play. You know, um, he, he, he just seems to, he, he thinks the game very quickly and he dissects the game very quickly. Well, you've been talking about players who are locked in and another guy who hasn't really been getting as much shine but has been obviously really locked in and doing well for the Blues is Jordan Bennington. In his last six starts, Panger, he has stopped 188 of 200 shots. What can you say about what Bennington is doing right now and how he's just really kind of the backbone of this group? That, that's some. That's a lot of good saves right there. Um, and and I'll, I'll tell you what, it, Confidence is everything. Um, you know, we talk a lot, a lot, an awful lot about swagger, and swagger can probably be misperceived a little bit. Like, you know, I know that he's talked an awful lot. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford just did another, you know, another article on him, on uh, you know, on what that's all about. But it's not just you know you're losing the game and you you go by a bench and you swipe at the other team or or what have you. It's 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 swagger means when your players are in front of you and and uh, hex hitting the fan. Is he going to be? Is he okay back there? And you know, is he is is does he look confident? Does he look like he's in charge? And can he hold the fort while we're while we're maybe uh, drowning in a little bit of water right now? And and that's kind of where. You know, that's where they get the confidence from. They get the confidence from the goaltender and where he's in the net and how he plays the puck. Like last night, Brooke, some of the plays that he made in a game in which the Blues didn't play well, and I'm sure that they had a little talking to after after the game that that's not going to be good enough. But he he made so many good handoffs last night, I'll call them. I mean, he gets behind the net. He looks to his right. He fakes there. He goes to his left. Now Nick Letty's skating out of the zone. You know, how many times did he do that? Or even bypassed the defenseman and he just went right to the winger on the boards who then gets out of the zone like in like in a split second like not a lot of goalies in the league are as good as he is at playing the puck so besides his confidence and you know how big he's playing it's also those little things that uh, make a huge difference in the course of a season where your defensemen aren't getting run into the boards and and taking a a big hit to the shoulder and and uh, you know as as that happens every single game you get worn down and you might not want to get that puck out of the zone uh, as crisply as they've been doing. Finally, Panger, as you know, everybody listens to this show. So we get this text from the 314 that says, please ask Panger which mom he lost a bet to on the trip last week, which required him to use the word superlatively during a broadcast. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Superlatively. I, you know what? Did you I, lose I, a bet to a mom last week? Well, it's it had to be Rita, it had to be Rita Shen or or, or Bonnie um, had to be uh, <laughs> Bonnie O'Reilly. Um, and and by the way, I, I know there's some pictures out there of them winning money on the on the tables. That wasn't from me, okay? Not from me. <laughs> but but wh- whoever whoever's mom it was, their son played superlatively. <laughs> Beautiful, Panger. Uh, what do you do? You have a TNT this week, Thanksgiving week? I'm actually yes. I'm going to do a Friday game in Philadelphia. Um, in the meantime, our game, um, the Blues at Tampa, is also on. 
is also on TNT, and that'll be uh, Edzo and Keith Jones and uh, and Kenny Albert will have that game. And that I think that'll be in prime time. So that'll be a nice uh, Friday evening uh, TNT show. And then Valley uh, Sports, we're doing the game Wednesday in Buffalo, and we're doing the game Saturday in Fort Lauderdale or Sunrise, Florida. Perfect. Hey, you have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks as much for the, so much for the time you always provide us. Uh, we do appreciate it, and safe travels. You got it. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Be safe out there. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Panger. Darren Pang with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, it's the fight. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley and Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. Matthew, Brooke, Greg is our contestant today. Greg, how are you doing this morning? Hey, good morning. What's happening? Going well. How's it going? How you feeling? Well, could have had a uh, Illinois victory out in Vegas, but uh, I guess <laughs> listen. One out of two ain't bad. Greg, the the weekend was was shot for me when they, you know, they didn't take care of their business a couple of times. So unfortunately, we got another week though. We we were back right back at it. Yeah, we were. Uh, there was four of us out there. We had a pretty good time. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself and glad you all made it back safely. <laughs> all right, here we go, Greg. You ready? Let's do it. All right, which MLB Hall of Famer sits atop the all time list for career batting average as one of only four players finishing over 350 with a 366 average? Is it Shoeless Joe Jackson, Ty Cobb, or Rogers Hornsby? Ty Cobb. All right, which QB holds the dubious record of having thrown the lowest amount of touchdowns for a Hall of Fame quarterback? Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, or Bart Starr? Say those one more time. Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, or Bart Starr? Uh, Bart Starr. All right. Happy birthday to former St. Louis Ram and current ESPN college football analyst Tyoka Jackson. Undrafted in 1994, which Florida-based team did Tyoka make his NFL debut with? Was it the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Miami Dolphins, or the Jacksonville Jaguars? No idea. Let's go Dolphins. All right, Greg. Who won the last World Cup back in 2018? Was it Portugal, Brazil, or France? Uh, France. All right, we will double check our answers and then bring in Randy Character. Greg, how are you feeling, sir? Awful. Awful. Just god-awful. Ah, you know what, Greg? You may be better off than you actually think. I, I, I tell people this all the time. When they think they did terrible, they usually did pretty well. And when they think they did pretty well, it's usually the opposite. So <laughs> you may be in good shape. I feel like I'm still in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Randy, say hello to Greg. Greg, good morning. How you doing? Uh, we'll find out, Randy. I'm uh, just just happy to be on with you guys. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. All right, Randy, you ready? 
I am ready, sir. All right, which MLB Hall of Famer sits atop the all-time list for career batting average as one of only four players finishing with over a 350 average with a 366 average? 366 or 367 for Ty Cobb? I he was a 367 career hitter. But I will go with, uh, with Ty Cobb. All right. Which QB holds the dubious record of having thrown the lowest amount of touchdowns for a Hall of Fame quarterback? Okay, I think I know this, but I am going to uh, I'm going to do the old uh, lifeline here. Okay, because I think he might be the worst Hall of Famer. But let's see here. All right, your options are Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, or Bart Starr. Oh man, I thought that uh, Bob Greasy would be on there. So Roger Staubach, he had pretty many. Troy Aikman had to have more because he played in a passing era. So even though he played a long time, I'm going to go with uh, Bart Starr. Happy birthday to former St. Louis Ram and current ESPN college football analyst Tyoka Jackson. Mm. Undrafted in 1994, which Florida-based team did Tyoka make his NFL debut with? A uh, Florida-based team kind of gives it away. Um... I think I'm going to go with, um, because he did play for them, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It could be Miami, but uh, I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, Randy, who was the who won the last World Cup back in 2018? Uh, wasn't that like Zidane and the and the French people? <laughs> Zinedine Zidane and the, and the French folks. I'm, I'm going to go with. Uh, the uh, the francophiles. I'm gonna go with the French. I'm gonna go with the frog legs. I'm gonna go. Uh, I, don't, I don't. I don't know if you can call, I don't know if you politically correct call them frog legs. <laughs> oh, okay. We're just you're just saying frog legs. You're not calling them that. No, so they eat fine. them, right? That's yeah, a delicacy yeah, that's true, in France. Right. So I'm gonna go with France. All right. This was one epic fight. Not very often. Do we get seven total and correct answers Ooh. from both our contestants? Oh Not God, very oh often do we get that much of a total, and this one came down to it. So is Randy Carricker going to continue his shriek as he rides into a holiday weekend, or could we potentially have a kind of hanging chat of a Hall of Famer with two rounds going into a holiday? Is Greg going to come back on Wednesday for a potential shot? At being very, very, very stressed out during his holiday? Ring that bell. The winner and new champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Of course, that music does mean that we average Joe listener beat Randy. We have a jack from the listener today. He gets all four. Randy gets three. Congratulations, Craig. You will be coming back tomorrow for round two on a Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And again, congratulations because you got all four correct in today's fight. Let's go! <laughs> Good job. Now Greg. you feel better, right? Yeah. Now you feel better. Like, like Carrie said, if you think you did terrible, you did great. If you think you did great, you did terrible. You already heard all the correct answers, but let's go through them really quickly. It is Ty Cobb who sits atop the all-time batting average record in MLB history. It's 366. It's a uh, 3662. 
So technically, you would round down for it to be a 366. Um, Shoeless Joe Jackson, Rogers Hornsby, and then um, a Negro League star at the very top of the all-time in uh, baseball batting average, which QB holds the dubious record of having thrown the lowest amount of touchdowns. It's by one. Bart Starr beats out Rogers Staubach, 152 to 153. Again, a little bit more passing in, uh, in, in from Bob Greasy. I'm I sorry, wanted guys. him to put Bob Greasy on the list. I ha- I also I threw an I threw an Aikman because yesterday was his birthday, and he, I always th- whenever I think quarterbacks with low touchdown passes in the Hall of Fame, I always think Aikman because him and Irvin are both kind of on that list for their um, respective uh, positions. And uh, happy birthday to Hall, former St. Louis Ram and current ESPN college football analyst Tayoka Jackson. He went undrafted in 94 and then he started his career with the Miami Dolphins mm. before he eventually had that solid run with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before joining the St. Louis Rams. And it was in fact the French who won the World Cup back in 2018. Again, congratulations Greg. You win 4-3 to three, and you will be back tomorrow for round two in the fight. Hey, four for four today, oh for four tomorrow, we're 500. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Good to have you with us. That's Greg on 101 ESPN. Coming up next on the opening drive, our weekly visit, Thanksgiving week visit with the Blues Center Robert Thomas. He's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Thomas scores! Getting you inside the Blues locker room. Time now for Blues forward Robert Thomas on the opening drive. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. Channel 4 is Brooke Grimsley, Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN, the opening drive. And we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, where Blues Center Robert Thomas joins us. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Morning, guys. Doing well. Hey, when you're winning like this, and we've talked to Kerry about this, how it is your job. Playing a game is your job. But how much fun are you having in this winning streak? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Anytime you're winning, um, just the mood, the locker room, mood around, you know, at home, the city's uh, always really good. So uh, definitely a lot of fun. Robert, yesterday we had on Chris Kerber, and he had mentioned we were just talking about the chemistry that you and Pavel Buchnevich have really built over the last year, and we're really seeing it again this season. And he mentioned that you said – with Buchnevich and his talent and his skill that you really, when you're passing to him, you don't need to have a flat puck when you're passing over to him. So what is it like working with him? And I mean, you could, it seems like you can make anything work with him. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty easy. Uh, I mean, he's such a good player and such a smart player and he does everything right. Whether it's the defensive zone, offensive zone or, or transitioning, he's always in the right spot. He's always making you know, a smart play, and um, I think that's kind of where where our chemistry came from. And yeah, about the flat puck, it's funny. Um, sometimes I feel like he's got a better shot when it's like a rolling puck or a bouncing <laughs> puck. So I guess my next thing I need to work on is just throwing grenades at him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Robert, you all had the mom strip, and, and all of you all's moms were in. Uh, I was telling the guys here that. I wouldn't be able to watch film uh, if my mother was in the room because I, I know how those film sessions go. Were there any tense moments uh, where guys may have gotten called out in front of their moms? 
No, no, they took it easy on us. Uh, I bet if we were on that losing streak and they're on the trip, then there sh- for sure would have been guys getting called out. But uh, no, thankfully they, they took it easy on us and we're showing uh, showing our moms what great kids we all were. <laughs> you gotta have them there more often. Then you gotta bring them back when the, when if if something happens and, and it goes uh, left again, you gotta have the moms come back so so coach doesn't go too hard on you guys. Absolutely, yeah. That, that changed back the next game. So, <laughs> Does, is Chief when you? What's his demeanor like? Because some coaches I know are actually tougher on the team when things are going well than when things aren't going well. They back off a little bit and they aren't as stern when because they know how hard the game is when when you're losing. So, what's Chief like when now as opposed to during the the losing streak? Yeah, I would say, I would say obviously losing streaks a lot harder. But um, you know, at the end of the day, the the goal is to get the game, get the team's game to to a certain level that that's ready to compete at the playoffs. And uh, so I think he's always going to be hard on us until until we really get to that that perfect game. And I, I mean, there really is never a perfect game. So there's always going to be something we want to improve on, and, and that's what he focuses on. Robert, we were talking about that earlier because he did mention uh, playing a perfect game, and, and coaches never seem to find that perfect game. You can watch film all day, and you think you played well, and then you get in there, and they tell you how how poorly you didn't play or how poorly you did play. Uh, do you have have you all have have you ever had a moment where with one of your teammates, where maybe the coach missed something, uh, but the coach says, "Hey, coach, can you rewind that back? Let, let, let's see that again. What are you doing there, Robert? Because I've had that happen to me a, a time or two in film sessions." Oh yeah, uh, it seems like it's every other day or something. Um, uh, yeah, I mean it's it's funny when that happens where you know you're you're always thinking something out there and you go back and look at the the video and you're like, holy crap, I was so wrong. Um, so yeah, it, it happens a lot. That's for sure. Robert, you know, obviously a great game for Achari last night. What has he brought to the group? And then also another player that's really stood out is Josh Levo. It seems like ever since that he's been brought up too, it's really helped out Ryan O'Reilly and Brandon Saad as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, Achari's been playing out of his mind. Uh, I mean, he's such a big addition for us. And, um, you know, he plays plays the right play. He plays physical. He, play, he can PK. He's on on the ice at the end of the game, win some big draws. Uh, and, you know, it's so nice to, to see him scoring a lot. Um, you know, he deserves it and uh, couldn't be happier for him. Uh, Levo, same thing. He's he's bringing that steadiness to, to the O'Reilly and Saad, and he's making some good plays. And, you know, hopefully he can find the back, back of the net soon. He's got a ton of chances. And, um, yeah, both those lines are playing really well. All right, so we're actually going to get into like a hot topic here a little bit later on in our show because it's Thanksgiving week. Now, I know for you guys, especially your players, you can't really celebrate that much, but do you guys do any sort of like team Thanksgiving meal or anything like that? And we're going to get into sides. So what is your must-have Thanksgiving side? Okay, so yeah, we're on the road this year. Um, so we got a team dinner set up. So all the players, staff, coaches are on we're going to have Thanksgiving dinner together, so that'll be nice. Um, sides, I'm I'm a big I'm a big like garlic mashed potato guy. That's my that's my go-to. Um, I'd say my second one would be uh, the stuffing. You can't go wrong with those. Now you're going to Buffalo. Are you a wing guy too? <laughs> 
Uh, sometimes, not 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 usually too much. So, Robert, last week, Buffalo had seventy-seven inches of snow. You grew up in Canada. <laughs> Did you ever have anything like that? What was the biggest snowstorm that you had as a kid? Oh, I can't remember. All I know is. If I had 77 inches, I'd be praying for a snow day. <laughs> did, did they give you snow days when you were a kid in Canada? Uh, yeah, it was it was very rare. I, I lived like three blocks from school, so my parents would just put my boots on, my snow pants, and just say, walk to school, find a way. <laughs> we'll see you later, right? Uh, yeah, so, uh, but yeah, uh, that's that's a lot of snow, so. Uh, should be interesting to see see how they managed it. Yeah, the, and uh, I guess they had dump trucks that are just making giant mountains of snow. So it'll it'll be incredible. Have fun against the Sabers tomorrow night. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you uh, when you guys are back home next week. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Robert. That's Robert Thomas, the Blues forward with us on 101 ESPN. Always good to have him with us. So, garlic mashed potatoes. You know that's uh, was that that's on very our list? specific. That is very specific. Yeah. Well, uh, interestingly, Alexa Dat had the exact same thing: really? garlic mashed potatoes. Mm. And then who was somebody said, "Oh, don't put garlic in those mashed potatoes." With Alexa less. I th- yeah, and I think Joey wasn't a big fan Joey. of garlic mashed potatoes, despite yeah. being a garlic fan. I think, because we had Robert on Friday, I think she might have. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. I think that's she might have incepted Robert with the garlic mashed potatoes. <laughs> I think she said <laughs> that. And, and, and Robert was like, yep, I'm running with that as my favorite thing because that's a genius idea. I yeah. do love garlic mashed potatoes, but this is like, that's like a holiday season thing for me. I am not. And I. You know, I, I like mashed potatoes, but it's not something that I have every week. I don't need it every week. But, but that. You know, regular mashed potatoes, a little gravy on it is is uh. I feel like good. that gets the Wonderful job done. Me. Pretty good. Yeah, it doesn't need With much. Some butter in oh, there, yeah. Hey, we good to go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> coming up next on 101 ESPN, it's today's big thing. And by the way, the Thanksgiving sides draft is coming your way at 9:15. But before that, coming up next, there are nine NFL teams that are seven and three or better. We want to know which one of those teams that's not seven and three or better is the scariest. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the Opening Drive. It's time for today's Big Thing. All right, there are in the National Football League nine teams that are seven and three or better. That includes the Eagles at nine and one, Chiefs and Vikings at eight and two, and then at seven and three, you've got the Dolphins, Titans, Ravens, Bills, Cowboys, and Giants. What we're going to do with Brooke, Carrie, and Randy, and Matthew here at nine oh two. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, is pick out the team that's not seven and three or better. That is the scariest CD. You've watched every team, and there are some good-looking teams there that are not 7-3 and three or better. Who do you like? Well, we saw one last night in the 49ers. I talked about it earlier. Just the amount of talent that they have on that offensive side of the football at receiver, you got two very good receivers in Ayuk and, and Debo Samuel. You got a tight end who is, when healthy, you know, probably the second-best tight end mm-hmm. in the league behind Travis Kelsey. And then you have Christian McCaffrey who – 
you've you got in a trade which <laughs> is one of the the uh, elite Swiss Army knives guy that can do every backfield catch run block um, and so you got a guy and then you got Jimmy G if he takes care of the football they have a chance to be a very good football team so they are sitting six and four right now top of the NFC West and they are probably one of the scariest teams um, that is not seven and three Rick Grimsley what do you think mine is going to be well 49ers is a great one mine is going to be the Buccaneers one because Tom Brady little fun fact Tom Brady has been perfect ever since the divorce I don't know if that factors into anything just had to throw that out there Mm. Um, but in general too it seems like the Buccaneers are on an upward trend after starting like a terrible what was it three and five start now they're five and five it seems like they're really in control of their own playoff destiny looking at the rest of their schedule I can see them finishing with maybe a 10 and 7 record and if they beat the 49ers then maybe they could be you know they get the third playoff seed or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can I feel like it's possible because one Tom Brady, I know that it's been a weird kind of season start for him, but I feel like you can never doubt Tom Brady and his abilities. I'll tell you what, the 6 and 4 team that scares me and that, I think there's a lot of teams out there that are really scary. But I think Joe Burrow is awesome, and he's going to get Jamar Chase back. Yeah. And he's already got Tyler Boyd, and he's got T. Higgins, and he's got Perrine, who scored three touchdowns the other day. He's got Joe Mixon, who left that game. That offensive line is coming together. The defense is good. They know how to win. They've been to a Super Bowl. For me, the and I'm completely on board. We've talked about the Niners. I think the Niners are an outlier for some yeah. reason. I, they, they're just better than 6-4. and four. The, the record yes. doesn't show it, yeah. but, but they are. But would I be surprised if Cincinnati would do it again? Not one bit. If Cincinnati would make their way back to the Super Bowl, wouldn't be surprised one bit. Just a random question with that, you know, for both of you guys, because we talked yesterday about, you know, how college football isn't exactly preparing the NFL or quarterbacks for the NFL. What is going on with offensive lines? Yeah. I feel like this season. What do you what do you think that that is? Well, I, I think just in general, football is is a tough sport to begin with. And if you don't prepare uh, meaning you don't run into people in practice as as crazy as that sounds it it's almost like they're 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 saving themselves but they're not really you know helping them in the long run because you have to be able to build up that that just that those calluses of running and bumping into people and 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 all of the straining that is required to block and tackle um and that comes with with your muscles doing things that they they may be uncomfortable doing but in the long run you understand why you have to do it. And I think just, just the fact that they don't hit as much or tackle as much or work as hard in practice, you know, you're having those those tweaks of injuries. If a guy falls on you, that's one thing. There's nothing you can do that, which happens a lot for offensive linemen. Um, but just the hamstring strains, the ankles, the you know, the biceps, all of those things are, are from just not doing it enough and doing it at a, at a high level in practice. Kerry, if I'm an NFL general manager and I'm working for an owner that is limiting me, I am only going to scout the Big Ten for offensive linemen. You should. <laughs> Illinois is a great place to start. Yeah. I've got Illinois. I've got Iowa. I've got Michigan. I've got Minnesota. Wisconsin. I've got Ohio State. I've got Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, if I scout the Big Ten and I only take offensive linemen from the Big Ten, I feel like I can succeed. You can do really well in the Big Ten with, Which with offensive linemen. Which is crazy because it used to be Nebraska? SEC. But the thing is, SEC, everybody's playing the spread now. And you look at the Big Ten, everybody's still playing big boy football. they are. Can I give you another team that that is going to be a shocker? Mm -hmm. Um, But if this young man comes back, he he just got activated to to start practicing in Jamison Williams Uh uh, in Detroit. They are sitting at four and six right now. They they are a surprising team 
um, with an opportunity. They they've lost some games that that you know they lost to the Dolphins. That was a tough one. They lost to the Vikings by four. But they are a team that if they can get healthy with Jamison Williams and have that deep threat to stretch the field. I like what this team is doing, and I think that they, you know, they they got the Bills next week, probably lost, but then you got the Jags, the Vikings, the Jets. Those could be three wins in a row, and now you're sitting right back into the middle of things and and have an opportunity. The Panthers as well. Those, those are four, those could be four wins in a row where they are sitting right back in the middle of it and have a, have an opportunity to make it to the playoffs. I'm going to expand on, expand on that because it's not crazy, it's not insane that if they lose to the Bills here, they could conceivably rip off. The Jaguars, you said it already, Jaguars, Vikings, Jets, Panthers, and then Bears and Packers. I mean, they could win conceivably six of those seven games and now all of a sudden we're talking about a team that's 10 and 7 10 and, seven yep. and is maybe and, and is probably pushing Washington out of that last wild card spot maybe even if there's a collapse p- p- pushing uh, for the, the, Vikings the Vikings for the division yeah. if they beat yep. the Vikings in that I think the third game on their schedule that could completely turn the entire NFC yeah. North around I, w- I love that you went with the Lions the defense continues to get better Aiden Hutchinson continues to kind of click and the offense we saw it right off the bat their ability to score it, it then hit a huge lull, but I think it looks like they've kind of figured it back out with Jamal Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown being healthy again. The lull happened because of injuries, though. Yep. DeAndre Swift got hurt, Amon St. Brown uh, got hurt. Those those guys were out and missing games, and, and so you don't have the same offense. But now, like I said, if those guys are back healthy, you got Jamal Williams who's playing well, and then if you get Jamison Williams in there, we saw what he was – if he was – Healthy, he is the first receiver taken, and it's not even a, a question. He just, you know, tore his ACL and was not able to play right away. So he gets back in the fold, and you have a guy that can literally take the top off the coverage. He is going to run past people, and there's not going to be a chance for them to catch him. Uh, that makes that 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 Lions offense that much better. In a quarterback-driven league, though, my concern is with Goff, just like it is with the Jets and Zach Wilson, like it is with the Commanders, all due respect to Taylor Heineke, uh, (laughs) like it is with the Falcons, with uh, Marcus Mariota. I just, I I don't see those teams as scary. I I think, and this is really, I I don't, I still haven't figured out Geno. I know we love what Geno has done. Right. Gino is a is a pro bowler this year, but I, I don't think he's are they gonna, scary though? Nah, I don't think they're scary. Nah, nothing about them scares you. I mean, they were they lost a game that they should have probably won last week uh, before the bye before they had their bye against mm-hmm. in uh, in Germany versus the Tampa Buccaneers. Yeah. Um, that's not a game you should lose, but they did, and so now you put yourself in a position where the 49ers have. Momentum and they're 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 coming. They're right there. You all are even right now. And there, if you even, they leaving. The the Forty ers are going to win that division. And it's no fault to Geno. He's played well. That team just is not going to be able to withstand what the what the Forty ers are. By the way, at the other end of the spectrum, the Houston Texans looking at another number one overall pick in the draft. You figure they'd get it right at some point. Do they take a quarterback? <laughs> I think they. I think they do. At some point. It, it's a tough year to figure out. Uh, you know what? I, I love Bryce Young. Bryce Young is 5'10", 185. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you can do that in the NFL. Yeah. I, 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 if you're the Houston Texans, you gotta, you got to be just completely, I don't know. They, they, they stink. Yeah, and it's a bad organization. It, it, it is. And it, it's why they keep losing. Houston Texans are going to have to ask themselves a couple questions like, is Caleb Williams an NFL quarterback? Yeah, and Stroud, do you take another? Yeah. And granted, Justin Fields has had his success you lately. Take, do you take, you Ohio, take Ohio State, State quarterbacks? Yeah, that, I think Justin that's Fields is the outlier. He he he's going to be really good, but Ohio State Ohio State quarterbacks usually are not. It's just my opinion. 
I don't disagree with you at all. So <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, this might be a wasted year to have the number one overall pick. Trade. Trade back and get more picks. Yeah. Get one of the quarterbacks later. Yeah. Someone's, got to, someone's got to want to trade up. I want to throw this out as well yeah. on the Bengals. They're, you're talking about them getting Jamar Chase back. Yeah. The, one of the reasons I would take them as, as a scary team is because of what Joe Burrow did without them. He went 2-1 and one with seven touchdowns, three interceptions, and almost 800 yards passing without Jamar Chase over the last three games. That's a team that's figured out the scheme issues that were completely locking them down the first three, four weeks of the season. Bengals could go on a run late in the season, absolutely. You called them the Bengals at first. I liked Bangles. how you said it. Bengals. Said a little Texas like an Egyptian. Action Jackson cannot not say Bengals, as in like the as in the band. Action Jackson, if you ever ask him about the, ba- the, the, the Bengal Tigers, he says it just like the band. It's great. <laughs> Coming up. We've, we're going to get back to serious stuff here. That was today's big thing. <laughs> but next up, it is Thanksgiving week, and it is the opening drive Thanksgiving Sides Draft. It's coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Okay. All right. The team here, the uh, we're, we're called Team Opening Drive here at 101 ESPN. Everybody's put together a big board, and we are selecting sides for Thanksgiving 2022. And at the conclusion of this draft, in which we all will pick four sides and a dessert, Matthew will put our uh, choices up on the interwebs, I guess on the Twitter machine. He'll put together a poll, and you'll have the opportunity to vote for Brooke, Carey, Matthew or Randy. And that is the order of this snake draft for 2022 Thanksgiving sides. And do we have our little sounder, Matthew, for our uh, draft picks? Oh, for the draft sounder, of course. Sorry. That's very important <laughs> yeah, I got for, for any draft that we have here on the opening drive. See, I'm such an, it's I'm such an NFL draft purist that I hear right. that and I and I, I don't I don't immediately think any other draft we got to have the draft sounder. But let me let me find our draft sounder here. Okay. Yeah, we need to have that because like with any good draft, you have to be able to know when the pick is coming. It kind of perks your ears up it as, you, as you as you ready looking towards the, the the sound is known no. yeah. by all. Yep. And by the way, this is not like the NFL where you have 10 minutes to use on your This is more draft. like uh Brandon Kylie's draft. Brandon Kylie's. Yeah, this, this is exactly he's about <laughs> Speed. It's about getting your pick in. Yeah, we had you, you, yeah, thirty but, seconds. Yeah. Is, is good enough here. Yeah, Brooke, we had we had thirty <laughs> seconds to make selections in our oh, fantasy I, football. I heard. I, yeah, I it was heard. that great. All right, with the first selection in the 101 ESPN Opening Drive 2022 Thanksgiving Sides Draft, Brooke Grimsley has the first pick. You're well, on the clock. after much consideration and. Kind of a lot of thought because I went back and forth, but I really see the potential in this first side dish. It can be creamy. It could be, you know, delectable. There's a lot of different things that you can put in it. Everybody has their own different way of making it. Mm -hmm. I prefer it kind of like creamy and maybe like a little crunchy on top. I'm going to take mac and cheese. Mm. Were you guys expecting that? I was trying to set it up. I was was thinking that that was going to be now. Yes, well, I've been giving. I, I've been. I've been pointing out how much of a southerner you are for the last twenty four hours, Brooke. I knew you were taking mac and cheese first. I didn't, put, I didn't even put it on my big board because I knew it was going to be gone. Mac and cheese is a great choice. So with with that being gone, which I'm glad you took that because for me, <clears throat> I I that was that was my one A and and or one B. Has the card been turned in here? Yeah, it's in. Okay. I'm ready. No, 
I'm ready to go. So some people call it stuffing in my house and in, in, in most people's houses that I know, we call it dressing. And dressing is a is a is a meal onto itself. You can you don't even this actually, Randy Rock Brooke, is not a side. It is a main course. You don't have <laughs> it's not a side. It is its own entity. It does not need anything else with it. Dressing is good enough to go, you don't have to have turkey, you don't have to have ham. I generally don't choose those. I choose this by myself, and this is all I can have on my plate, mm-hmm. along with mac and cheese, which is gone. But we're going to go with, with dressing as my first pick because it is that amazing. All right. This is tough. My, my, my war room is, 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 is scrambling <laughs> right now because they couldn't get the trade done. And now they're sitting here saying, You're listen, the, this, was, this was a 1-2 draft. Now we're sitting at 3, and we don't know what to do. <laughs> You're the Rams after Seattle took Marcus Trufant. This is exactly <laughs> we, we are scrambling right now. We're trying not to be the Rams where they let the Vikings pick, uh, or, or the Vikings where they mm-hmm. let the pick go and the Ravens mm-hmm. were able to pick. We're not going to let that happen, so the card is in. If it's made correctly... It can actually be my favorite dish, bar none, where you're going on here. multiple holidays. This isn't just a Thanksgiving holiday. It's the versatility here <laughs> okay. that I appreciate it. I want it on my plate. I want two on my plate. Okay. I need two pair. I need a good biscuit oh. when it comes to Thanksgiving. Wow. I'm opening up with a biscuit. It's pick. that important to me. I love wow. biscuits so much. Biscuits are my favorite thing in the world. I'm when it comes to how that. I'm going to eat breakfast or a, a home-style meal, the roll, the biscuit, the bread component. Listen, there's a lot of carbs being thrown around on a holiday <laughs> like this. If you do not get your good carbs in, you're going to fill up and you're not going to be happy. You give me a good, salty, savory biscuit, maybe with a little honey on it, a little butter, I'm I'm good. I'm happy with life. I don't need anything too complicated. Listen, you guys took one and two. I'm taking a solid three here. Okay. Biscuits. Good. Uh, let's see. Let Randy Carriker, you have two back-to-back here, hot okay. corner in the snake draft. Yeah. I have you to just scroll sit back down and, the biscuits and, and, to eliminate them here. <laughs> I have to scroll down. <laughs> All right. Uh, with the fourth selection, my card is in. And this is something that... Uh, might be considered controversial by some, but not by everybody, because I know that this has been a favorite for a lot of people. I am going to go with the starch. I'm going to go with mashed potatoes with the number four overall pick. Mm. I figured you would. Uh, and that includes, like, garlic. That includes any, anything you want to have on it. And this is, okay, and, and we have considered this my next pick. The card is in. And I'm going to ruin all y'all's. Thanksgiving meals here. I'm taking gravy. Ooh. Oh. That's fine. That's fine, Randy. Man, is this is this how the teams at like nine and ten felt when Tavon when they when they traded <laughs> up for Tavon Austin? Yeah, try try your turkey without gravy. Try your mashed potatoes without gravy. I don't eat turkey, Randy. You know, especially not that white meat stuff. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> need the gravy. I want dark meat or I want ham. All right. So the second round continues. Back to the second round on my other side. I knew I'd be able to get it, so I'm also gonna take some potatoes. The card is in. Mm. I gotta take my personal favorite here. I'm gonna go with potato casserole. I don't care how what you want to call it. it. My version of potato casserole. It's simple. It's cheese. It's potatoes, and it's got those cornflakes right on the top. I talk about it a lot. It's because it's my favorite thing in the world. I'm gonna go potato casserole okay. here in the second round. Interesting. Alrighty, I'm. I am thankful to be picking after Rock because you have left me with the the one of the best. I mean, you you pick mashed. You pick 
casserole, mm-hmm. you all left out the best okay. potato in. That is a sweet potato, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Their sweet gosh. potatoes are the ultimate. Listen, I, my, thought they, I thought they'd come back to me. The, I really did. I didn't the think you'd take sweet them. potatoes are on the board no longer take because they belong to me. Take them all. Right? Sweet potatoes, I'll take them. And Care- by the way, this and, is like sweet potatoes with brown sugar. This oh, is like yams, yes, right? Yes, yes, okay. candied yams. Um, this is yeah, what we're eating I'll, right you know now. Carrie, I, I, I like, I, I love you so much. I'm going to bag up all the extra sweet potato at my Thanksgiving. Go ahead, and I'm going to give it to you because I don't want to. I don't need to touch it. I'll take it. Thank you. So, Brooke, you have two choices here. Okay, I have a follow-up question here. So, he took sweet potatoes specifically. Now, can I take a sweet potato casserole because it's still on the list? So, I was thinking... That's the casserole. Yeah. I will say, we did have on the list sweet potatoes and sweet potato casserole, so I thought... The sweet potatoes are like, you get like a baked sweet potato. Brown, no, that's not what I took. I you took, took the, ca- the casserole, yeah, yes, the, sir. The brown yeah. sugar, the butter, all of those things it mixed in, and well you done. have you put it in the oven, and you, you, yeah, <laughs> I, I had I, I honestly thought that I'd be able to come back and get that. So, that's a steal, by the way. Okay, so Brick right. gets two here. I'm gonna go with green bean cra- casserole, call and do some veggies into this. I didn't even get my little oh, here we go. Oh. Oh. Okay, there we go. My next one, because it's on the list. All right, scalloped potatoes. Oh, nice pick, nice pick, Brooke. Trying to make a really well-rounded Thanksgiving meal here. This is man, Brooks. Brooks got a dangerous. Brooks got a dangerous pick so far. I like that one. Yeah, really nice. So, I am just thrilled. I mean, absolutely, positively thrilled with the way that this draft is going. I know what you're doing. It is falling in my lap. Just every pick. Other than the mac and cheese, I I got my 1B in the dressing, so I'm okay with that. We're going to go with collard greens. I knew it. We're going to go with some some collard greens. Oh, hold on. Can can I get my my (laughs) bell? Because I don't want to be left out. (laughs) With the third pick, with my third pick in the third round, collard greens. Where's where we're going? That's a nice choice. I really, you're doing well here. You you have a nice roster. Is it is it collard greens with the bacon in it? That's important. It, it, it's with the with the turkey leg. It's it, it's in there. It's it sat in there for a few hours, nice. and it is just all absorbing. All, and then you get a little bit of the leg in the in the greens with you. So so hey, I I, I think I'm I yeah, I like my picks thus far. All right, Matthew. This is a tough one. You guys, you guys really. This, the last four picks after I made my last pick did not go well for me. Three of my three of my top picks went afterwards. So I got again. War room's in a little trouble, but don't worry. We're feeling confident. We got a good fallback. We got a good draft board. The pick is in. I'm just gonna take straight up green beans. I don't need the casserole. I don't need the fried onions. I just want some green beans on my plate. Give me a little bit of vegetable in there because it's usually not going to be heavy on my plate in the first place. So, yeah, get, get away the, the, the sauce. Take away the, the, the fried onions. Just give me straight up green beans on my plate for Thanksgiving. Okay, cool, good. Uh, all right, Randy has uh, his final two choices here. And the card is in. And... Uh, uh, so I look at my war room wall here, and on my big board, I still have my number four overall, which is cranberries. Now, this isn't the cranberry out of the can, which I like. Oh. This is cranberries that are sweetened, and so that's the the little, uh, the, the the cranberry, I don't even know what you call it, but cranberries, that's my, my fourth <laughs> pick. And then, you guys haven't left me an awful lot here, 
but I am going to go with with my final choice. Little cornbread. You know the little, little loaves of cornbread. Yeah. Love the little loaves of cornbread. Yeah, I thought he I thought I thought he might get you on that one, Carrie. I'm I'm, I'm sorry. I, I was wa- hoping that came had, back to me. I just had to watch that happen. All right, and uh, my final pick here, you know, again, it's it's we're getting low here on the fourth round. That's why it's only four rounds. So my pick is in. I need a well-balanced meal. I know I already got my, my ham. I got my biscuits. I got my potatoes. I got a little bit of, of the greens. I need a little bit extra. I'm going to go with some Brussels sprouts with some garlic, mm. some butter, some olive oil on the pan. The way people do Brussels sprouts since I was a kid. I'm not. This is not your late 90s Brussels sprouts. I'm talking like a 2020s Brussels sprout. Nicely cooked with some olive oil, some garlic, some onion, some good stuff like that. Give me some nice fried cooked Brussels sprouts. All right. See not a bad choice. Um, so I do have a question for the yes. for the panel, for the group. We, we have answers. Is, is <laughs> our biscuits... The same as rolls because I don't think that they are. They oh. are a different texture. Oh, it is come different. on! They it are is. they oh, are different. Are they? I thought I was getting rolls. I thought I was getting rolls in the biscuit. I thought I was getting rolls in the biscuit. is a different oh, thing is, than a roll. I, 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 so okay, a biscuit. I'm is something. drafting under protest. <laughs> <laughs> so. He's making, he's, he's he's making a call. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, so you got rolls? I'm going to go rolls. Okay. I, roll, I mean, literally the preparation's different for a biscuit and a roll. Like, I, you, you don't I go agree. to Cracker Barrel and say, I want a roll so when they me, have biscuits. A biscuit is something that you could put either honey or apple butter on. Yeah. A roll is something that you put regular butter on. A roll yes. is something I can sit my sit on my plate with my dressing, my sweet potatoes, and my collard greens, and it can soak up all of there that juice. Yeah. Good call. And I can eat it like that. Okay. Uh, so Brooke has the final choice in the, the sides draft. Oh, man. Okay. For some reason, somebody put salad on here. I'm definitely yeah. not taking that. No uh, because at my Thanksgiving, you're gaining at least 10 pounds. So I'm split here. I really, really like cranberry sauce in a can. Because I know that, Randy, yep. you took just the regular cran- I cranberries. Did. I love the canned cranberry sauce for whatever reason. I like it too. It has like a nice little sweet touch. Okay, so there you go. That's That com- completes the sides draft. Uh, we'll put that up on the Twitter machine for you, and we'll have a poll. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, Matthew Rocchio coming up next. The new receivers coach from uh, the St. Louis Battlehawks is a guy that you know well. He's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Channel 4's Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And one of my favorite athletes in St. Louis history is coming back to town as the receivers coach for the St. Louis Battle Hawks. It is Ricky Prohl, former St. Louis Ram and a St. Louis Rams Super Bowl champ who's with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Ricky, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm I'm staying warm in Minnesota. It's uh, <laughs> we're up we're up here visiting our son, our, our youngest, and um, he's with the Vikings. So it's uh, I was telling the, the producer it's it's actually getting warmer. It was like 10 degrees when we got here uh, last <laughs> weekend. I think now it's supposed to get up to 30. So warming up. <laughs> oh my God! Blessing. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, congratulations on the new gig. How excited are you? 
I'm really excited, uh, uh, you know, just to get back into coaching. It's a, it's a good opportunity for me. Um, you know, it's, it's a four-month season. Um, I can still spend time with the family in the offseason. I got addition. My daughter had two, two twin babies, so I, I won't miss them for too long. But just to be able to come back in St. Louis, too, a place that holds dear to my heart, is just uh, it's exciting. I, I'm, I'm really excited. Hey, Ricky, we had uh, Coach Mike Martz on with us last week, and we were talking about the inept play of the Denver Broncos receivers, and he mentioned that, you know, you got to coach those guys up with a baseball bat. Did, <laughs> did he ever have to have any of those conversations? I know you and Ike are professionals of all professionals, but did Mike ever have to have any of those conversations with you guys? No, we kind of, you know, we used, to, we used to joke. We used to joke. I think, Mike, you know, we were able to do – what we did because we had smart football players, Isaac, Torrey, Oz, Marshall, one of the smartest players, if not the smartest football player I ever played with. Um, you know, and it, so we were able to do all the shifts, motions, run different concepts. We were interchangeable. Um, and, and that's what made it so much fun. But no, we, we, he, he just, man, once we, once we knew his philosophy and what he wanted, he just rolled the ball out, man. We, we just, Hey guys, go get them. And that's basically <laughs> what we did. Uh, you know, uh, just, I mean, think about, think about those, you know, the, the five guys right there. And then not to mention Ernie Conwell, Roland Williams, you know, amply to boot in Super Bowl. I mean, one of the best running back route runners to me, especially the option route run. I mean, we just, we were loaded and, and uh, but they did a great job in instilling what the standard was. And uh, we try to live by that every week. Hey, Ricky, you guys just finished up the draft last week. So if you could just kind of tell us what that process was like and, you know, of course, looking at the guys that you picked up, especially uh, from the receiver group, I mean, I see a lot of NFL experience there. So what was it like finding these guys and finding the perfect fit for what you guys are trying to build offensively for the Battle Hawks? Well, we've done – I give the XFL a lot of credit. It's been very organized um, from front office people to um, – you know, to the coaches, just the communication, the emails, and then the, the Zoom calls. It was a process for the last couple of months. We had some workouts in San Diego and Tampa where we met as a staff. We worked some guys out. We looked at groups. Um, just trying to find that because it's not just about the physical ability. It's what, what, what is their history? What do they like as a person? And, and that's what we're trying to instill in the St. Louis team is we, we're, we're going to um, draft good football players but we're going to draft good people as well that buy into what our standard is, what, what our philosophy is. And, and uh, so it, it was a process. And I think Dave, um, our personnel guy, Dave Bowen and, and Anthony did a great job spearheading the whole thing. They, they watched guys probably more than the coaches did as far as um, because they had access to the, to the software and everything else. Um, but we we were involved and, and we did go to some workouts and it was uh, it, it was it was somewhat like I did when I was a coach with the Panthers. You know, you you look at video, you look at film. The hardest thing was we didn't have access to as much film and video as you did when you were in NFL because these guys were in college. So a lot of these guys, like you said, they played in the NFL. So if they did, we had tape of those guys in preseason games, um, like the guy we took Marcel Aitman in the first you know with our first pick. You know, is a guy who's he's got some talent, he's got some good size, speed, big play uh, capability, and and then you go down the line with with different guys that we got to see up close and personal, like George Campbell, Dante Dye, um, 
and obviously there's one in there too, uh, Austin Kroll. I don't know if you saw. I kind of I kind of know him pretty good. Yeah, um, I was wondering about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it's um, I'm excited with the guys we got. We got a lot of talent, and I think we can do some good things with with what we. Uh, with the guys that we drafted. What does it mean for you to be able to coach your son? He, he was drafted by the Bills, a seventh-round draft pick, um, been, been trying to find his way through the league, been on a few teams, but, but not able to catch on just yet. Uh, what does it mean for you to be able to be with him every single day, coaching him, and hopefully get him an opportunity to get back into the league uh, and get that opportunity that I know he desires so, so, so much? I think it's a, it's a great opportunity. I think it's going to be, you know, I, I'm transparent. So I think, um, and I'm objective, I know what his skill set is. I, th- I think the best thing for me is I've trained him his whole life, and I know what he's capable of. And I, I think the hardest part is I don't know, to be completely honest and transparent, I don't know if his name has hurt him or has helped him. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I just think that I look at some guys throughout the league, and I, and I look at he's always made plays when he was college. When he had the opportunity, he always made plays, and he's got a, a skill set. He runs great routes. He's got great hands. Um, he's got good speed. His biggest thing is his, his size. You know, he's only 5'10", he's 185, but there's a lot of guys out there that has his stature. And, and I'm excited because now I get to coach him. You know, I, I've gotten to train him and teach him, but now I get to coach him where there's a defense, where there's a guy covering him, whether it's man, whether it's zone. And I get to add that, you know, give him that personality of, hey, when it's this coverage, you need to do this. When it's, you need to be more physical, whether it's a speed release, whether it's using your hands. Um, being able to identify defenses. And that's what I'm excited about coaching in general, all these guys. They all have a skill set. And they all their dream is to play at the next level. And, and just to be honest, I was in the league for you know 23 years as, as a player and as a coach. But even as a coach, I saw it more. The, 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 the Al Saunders, the, the certain guys that, that coached for years, the Fred Belitnikoff that coached the game, taught the game, there's not enough of them out there. And a lot of these guys want the finished product. They want, you know, the first, first rounders that these guys don't really need a whole lot of coaching, just go out there and play. And um, this is an opportunity for me to really help these guys and, and teach them and get them to that ne- next level. That's my dream. That's my goal is to, to help these guys. You know, I told, told guys when I coached in Carolina, Steve Smith, he, he was a stud. Like, I didn't have to coach him. I mean, there were little nuances that I taught him, but it was the Ted Ginns that I felt – I resurrected his career. Um, Demir Bird, who was a free agent out of South Carolina, no one wanted to give him a chance. He's still playing in Atlanta, still having success. Um, Philly Brown, a free agent from Ohio State. It's stuff like that that really, that to me, um, is a mark of, of a good coach, is that someone that's willing to take the time and teach these kids, spend time with them outside the practice fields, whether it's walkthroughs, whether it's going over the concept of the routes. Um, so when they can go out there, they can let their true athleticism show. Because if they're out there thinking and they're not playing to, up to their, their speed and capabilities, their athleticism is not going to show and they're not going to be able to make plays. And um, so that's why this is an exciting opportunity for me. Ricky Prohl with us on 101 ESPN. A couple more things. Number one, when you coach receivers and you're just doing position drills, do you run down the field with them like Al Saunders did for you guys? I, I probably won't run down the field trying to strip the ball, but I definitely give them a look. I, as, if I'm a, as if we were talking about that the other day and, and how great of a job Al did in setting the standard of especially blocking. I think um, he, he, 
he taught us all how to be blockers downfield. And, and I think one of the stories I shared the other day in our meeting room was that he literally said running backs take a pounding as the game goes on. The safeties, they lay hits. When guys are holding them up, they're hitting Marshall. He said, I don't want to see a safety hit Marshall fall in the fourth quarter. So he taught us get downfield, look up a safety, look up a corner. And we got to a point as a, as a receiving core where – we wanted to be that guy that sprung Marshall from not just a 20-yard run but a 50-yard touchdown to be that guy that made that block that sprung him for a big play. And, and, um, and it became very competitive in our room to do that. And, and that's the kind of environment I want to create in our receiver room um, this year And it's because it's, it's important. And uh, to answer your question, I probably won't be sprinting like he did for blocking, <laughs> but I'll be, sprint, I'll be giving him a look like a defender, which is what I always do, and I'll run, kind of cover him. Um, when we're doing individual drills, I think that um, it gives them a look. It gives them a feel of what I'm looking for and what they need to do to sep- create separation. And finally, Ricky, um, and I've, I've asked you this before, but for those that haven't heard the answer, when you walk out of that tunnel, you've been in the dome before, but when you walk out of that tunnel and you look into that northwest corner, uh, that northwest end zone, what's the first thing you think of? pandemonium just uh isaac bruce rolling williams jumping on me and and just the place erupting um it was just uh something i'll never forget man it was just the most amazing um moment in my career uh just to to live out a childhood dream to make that catch we all dream about making that catch in the back of the end zone and um and then go play in the super bowl um and then just the fans i mean we talk about it all the time. I mean, it's just no one wanted to come play in that dome because how loud it was and, and you couldn't – I mean, it was just such an advantage. And, uh, and that's what's exciting for me to come back. Um, I call home St. Louis because it was a place we raised our kids. We were there for five years and it was a special time. But it, it's, it's still special. That moment will never die. And to be able to come out of that tunnel again and be on that field will, will be special. Ricky Prohl, great to have you with us. It'll be great to see you back here in St. Louis. Glad you're in Minnesota so that you can get the family together for Thanksgiving. Have a great time with that, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you guys soon. All right, take care. That is the great Ricky Prohl joining us on 101 ESPN, and one of the most, well, I would say in the Dome, the most memorable play yeah. in St. Louis Rams history. The most iconic catch that that you know in, in that Dome um, I mean, if you're thinking of Rams history, you also think of Isaac's catch in the Super Bowl, obviously. Um, but for that in that go- in that dome, what he did to catch that ball in that game, it was it was a it was a defensive struggle though. <laughs> it wasn't, yeah. Nothing was going; it was going nowhere. And to make that play, um, you know, it's just a it's a memorable play for him and memorable play for for St. Louis Rams fans uh, that'll last a lifetime. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch. We've got a little rock and roll, and we're going to have what's on tap for you next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Steve Templeton's right. 
and I hope it's in the 50s in the 11 o'clock hour, and I hope it gets into the mid-50s. And if it's if he's not right, if it's only in the 40s, just yell at Steve Templeton for us tonight, would you please? No, I can't. He's so nice. He's, so he's nice. literally the nicest person <laughs> oh, on it's Earth. It's 45. We're trending upwards, Randy. I, I, I hope nobody's ever mean to Steve, because he is literally always happy, always nice. He's like sunshine. It does and a great job, human too. form. Yes. He, for the forecasting in St. Louis, it's a hard thing to do. Yes, it is. It's ever changing, especially when it randomly snowed the other day. Yeah, that was kind of weird. All right, time for rock and roll. A quick little one here because you guys were talking about it in your FanDuel read to get your money back if the United States doesn't win. Well, I assume unless you bet hard on the draw yesterday that you got your money back either way because there was a draw between the United States and Wales. Ty. A a disappointing end when you think about it they get the they get the, the goal from Timothy Wea early and then they just completely kind of fall apart after their domination in the second half and then obviously what eventually is going to happen in all these these soccer games a, a, a you know contested tackle Wales gets the penalty and now it's a 1-1 tie and now going from a group stage that really it's set up perfectly for you all you got to do is beat Wales beat Iran which shouldn't beat anybody and then you're finally six points you're sitting pretty doesn't matter what England does you're into the you're into the knockoff stage everything's sweet and pretty but now now it gets a little tight I have a question yes sir for you yes what does America need to do to be better on the pitch like overall not just this tournament just in general to 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 not be to, to, to be looked at as one of the better teams in the country to have an opportunity to win the whole thing. And I'm glad you asked me this because I'm not going to give you an answer like, well, if, if the athletes like LeBron James just played soccer, they'd be right up there with countries like Spain. No. Um, they, they're, the talent is there. The problem is that America is coached and has the tactics of a team with the talent level from 1996. And that's hmm. the thing is the reason why they, they, they did what they did in the first half is because America played with flair and confidence relative to their level of talent for the first time I've ever seen an American United States men's national team play. And in the second half, it was back to, let's park the bus, let's just swing a bunch of crosses into into the box and hope for a dumb ball to go weirdly in a, in, in a good way. That's what it turned into in the second half. For the first half, there was, there was confidence, there was flair. They were throwing through passes, they were running, they were, they were trying to get attempts, and I just thought they devolved into a boring let's just try to muck it up and and out-muscle the team because we're American soccer players in the second half. And that's what's always, I think, what has held back the United States men's national team in these international competitions. You have the talent. Weston McKinney, Josh Sargent, Christian Pulisic, these guys have the talent. Show it. Play like you have it. Hmm. So you think it's the coaching and the style of play as opposed to the players themselves? I, I legitimately do think there's there's some the American style of play in the national team is still holding back the actual talent. Weston McKinney is one of the best midfielders in Europe. Mm-hmm. Flat out period for Juventus. He's one of the best midfielders in Europe. And yet for some reason instead of he just does he isn't able to just completely dominate up and down the field in in a men's national team jersey the way he is in Europe. And I don't think it's just because of the players around him. I wonder why they just don't hire a German coach or something then. <laughs> Didn't no. go so well last night. There you go. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not saying that his coaching was better even than Burhalter. I'm not saying it's Burhalter's fault. I just think there's still an issue where 
the the people coming up in United States soccer have changed it because they've been fans of the global game, but there's still a hierarchy in the national team that mm-hmm. is still stuck in the 90s and That's is still stuck in an American way of doing things. And I know, listen, the European style of American soccer should not have been changing how we name teams for the MLS. It should have been in just the product and the style on the field. That's where it's going to come from, not not having mascots for your so team essentially, names. So essentially what we need, we need the showtime <laughs> of soccer is what we're talking essentially, about. Essentially, yeah. Okay, uh, I'm good with that. We're going to ask a question, but never mind. And it should be with the United States men's national team full of players who are playing in Europe. And also, again, a shout-out, 20% of the outfield roster yesterday, St. Louis area. Josh Sargent and Tim Reed yeah. both started. Yeah. That's two out of the ten outfield players. That's that's so impressive for the St. Louis area. So a little disappointing overall. The, the, we just got to just beat the absolute tar out of Iran now. That's the that's the bottom line. They gotta, I mean, they got to win like 7-1. to one. It has happened. It has happened. Beat the before. tar out of them. Yeah. <laughs> Well done. The petroleum? I don't know. You want me to change the joke? <laughs> no, I'm okay. just, yeah, I understand what you're saying. All right, fair enough. Got it. Beat him. Good, good job today Beat by our producer man. engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Brooke, this was fun. We'll do it again tomorrow. Yeah, I'll see you guys again tomorrow. CD? I'll be here as well. <laughs> and by the way, thanks for what you do for the community. You're oh. passing out turkey dinners today. Yes, we're uh, NFL player, former players will be at the Urban League at noon, passing out turkeys uh, to the community. It's going to be a good event, nice. good time for us, and uh, you know, good to give back. And thanks, yeah, thanks to you and all of your NFL brethren that are participating in that. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at seven. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.